Hello and welcome to episode 328 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and a returning Jack Harper. It's my birthday, Arsenal are eight points clear at the top of the table. Liverpool didn't play TK, so I imagine that's a plus. Jack, um, I'm not sure if we're approaching Chelsea with the angle of your winning run coming to an end or that you're now four unbeaten in all competitions. It's been a busy week. We've all made it to the end of race week, just about, although may never financially recover. Gareth Southgate reminded us that he's still unfortunately in charge as England manager as he dropped another horror squad. And Antonio Conte dropped the lads' Tottenham speech while actually in charge of Tottenham. (laughs) Leon Edwards retained his UFC welterweight title in London. And I'm sure there will be other action to tuck into alongside that. First though, how are we doing today? So, 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 so. Great weekend, as you said. Yeah, not so much for Jack, clearly. <laughs> the perky start, perky, uh, we've been, actually, no, last week we spoke when you just lost to Bournemouth, so <laughs> maybe not perky. Um, news of the week, though, we've had a couple of weeks without it, and then, uh, like buses, it's all come at once. So, nice way, nice way to start things off. <laughs> um, man invents device so he can kiss insects. Why? Pathetic. I mean, I ask quite a lot of times when I hear these, mm. but that one in particular, like, what was he benefiting from this? Well, well that's keep hold of that thought because, <laughs> because the next headline is my favourite of the week. Um, meet the men paying to have their jaws broken in the name of manliness. <laughs> Toxic masculinity's gone too far. <laughs> Plant one right here. They're they're almost their chin checks. They're basically <laughs> getting people to check their chins and then in the hope that their jaws will hold up <laughs> come in more chiseled they is the is the way they're thinking they're going to come in the stronger jawline what <laughs> i'm not and sure hey, it's like tony ferguson kicking metal to try and they're, make himself yeah. harder they're paying extortionate fees for this as well this is in gq actually um what, what the hell i think you're just gonna get a bent jaw you're not gonna get a yeah. chiseled jaw <laughs> you know like you know when a looney tune gets his bill like smacked it goes <laughs> on the back of his head <laughs> Uh, calf with smiling face markings lands rollers farm lawnmower for life. So even as an animal, your looks can actually get you further. <laughs> Although, employing a cow instead of a lawnmower feels uh, maybe a bit of a stretch. Rolls-Royce secures funds to develop nuclear reactor for moon base. That sounds fun. How are we already getting things ready for the moon? And how do you secure the funds for this? Like, you hear of developing like the contracts to have the real estate ready to go on who who are you paying for that (laughs) i want it talked about like we talk about a good defender as well it's a rolls royce of an aircraft (laughs) that furious motorist is fined 650 pounds after council worker paints disabled bear around his parked car (laughs) it's a thinking man's game Daytona Beach man was bitten by a nine-foot alligator after he opened his front door to see it standing there. It's horror movie level stuff, that. Yeah, because in my head, it's it's just on its back legs. Yeah, same. That's what that's squaring up yeah, in that, a suit. That's how <laughs> I visualize. To sell you something. <laughs> that's how I visualize. Yeah, that's how they get you. Not today, man. Not today. Because I don't even know if you would just instinctively slam the door shut. There would have to be like half a second where you're like. <laughs> Am I? Um, zebra bites Ohio man's arm off before being put down. 
You think you're safe with a zebra as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's how they that get is, yeah. That's bad luck. Sales of vinyl albums overtake CDs for the first time since the late 80s. You look like a vinyl man, Jack. I have thought about it. I have thought about it. But then I've realised... Yeah, but I've realised that... a bit pretentious. Yeah, I feel like I look at it and I think... I'd much rather press play on my phone than go through the rigmarole of getting it out of his case. Yeah, how much do I actually care? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the question, isn't it? I, think I can see why you think I would look like the guy that would have it, though. I think if I owned a vinyl collection, I would own it exclusively in the hope that someone would walk in the house and just notice it and go, oh, you were... Uh, yeah, I think that is a large part of what <laughs> yeah. it's done, isn't it? Which is an expensive yeah. hobby for that. Yeah. Just for that it. small moment. Yeah. Just stand next to it and lean on it. Yeah. I actually oh. forgot they were there. <laughs> I'm amazed they've only just overtaken... The selling of CDs, because no one's buying CDs now. No one's doing it. I think there's still like, and it's not like not doing it for nostalgia purposes yet of a CD. Yeah, you're going to come into the retrograde 2000s era where you're going to have. You know when everyone had those CD racks, those plastic kind of metal. Great, they were. Everyone's going to get those back out. Oh, did you see my CD rack? Yeah, oh, CDs so, and DVDs are going yeah. to have a spell, aren't yeah, they? It We're spins. Gonna, me, telling kids about them. <laughs> me, Trust me. It wasn't all streaming once upon a time. Keep talking about that. I want a shelf up, despite not having a DVD player anymore and not a disc drive on my PlayStation or my laptop, just to be able to look at the DVDs on a shelf again, because mm. real good thing there. I've uh, missed that. It's a key bit of decoration at one point yeah. in the house. Like you'd go around someone's house and you'd judge them by how many DVDs <laughs> yeah. they had. We go around one kid's house and they had just a wall of DVDs. It's like, do you live? Do you, do you operate like an underground <laughs> rental? Um, <laughs> man claims Nazi swastika flags in Chicago apartment window is to bring attention to his missing fiance. I mean, that would do it. One Mr. W. Hennessy <laughs> claimed didn't know what he meant, but he was just trying to find his girlfriend. She's, very, very she's missing, and he thinks that she's that's just going to catch her eye on the way past, and it's going to make her come home. Basically, it's very rudimental. What? While explaining, she's not a Nazi. Just I think she would maybe see that and be like, "I need to find out what's going on back if, home." If she is kind of suffering from amnesia, like this guy thinks he is. She looks up and sees a Nazi, a Nazi flag in a window. So immediately making her think, oh, better go and check that out. See who lives there. <laughs> I also, when, when I took down the headline, I know that um, Spotify offered transcription. And I don't know what this does to the, kind of the algorithm when five minutes into the episode, they see like Nazi swastika flags. <laughs> <laughs> because there was other headlines and I thought, we can't have those in the same episode. We're going to be garnering a fortunate audience here. <laughs> Um, father attempted to rob his own son at knife point in Glasgow nice. didn't pay his housekeeping <laughs> man's new puppy bit him and laughed turns out it was a hyena <laughs> that's unfortunate 28 girls hospitalised after Ouija board game goes wrong oh. and I'll say again what is ever the plus point of playing one of those games? Because the plus side, we did connect with a spirit. What? <laughs> What's good about that? Uh, Hamilton family strike rich as they begin selling three foot long burritos. I mean, I, I give that. That's what the queue's like. <laughs> like <laughs> handing it over a small child. <laughs> Are you backing yourself to finish a three foot burrito? Because you'd have to go with the mate. I you? think I'm finished before I finish the three foot long burrito. Just my insides would just be in bits. That's just a lot of mass. 
Isn't it? Like, they it's, only, yeah. it's only so much your stomach can take. They said that they were now spending 30 grand a week on meat. Fucking hell. <laughs> what should they make? Hemorrhaging money. Next season on The Apprentice, <laughs> they're bringing that in. And after seeing this season's, they, they may have a shot. Dragon's Den trying to pitch this business. I want 10% of this business. From the, I'm losing. When I watched a week. Dragon's Den, and it was back when Duncan was on there, and there was someone selling that they would build chairs made out of sand for festivals, basically. They would go to the beach before the festival and they would craft what a load of chairs and things to sit on and picnic tables and all of this stuff and they were like so what happens after and he was like well it just washes away and they're like so what are we paying you for and he was like my time basically I'll go around and I'll get in early and I'll build this stuff <laughs> didn't get an investment um, finally we've been asking the scientists to uh, you know get stuck in Visionary doctors spent weeks eating feces to try and unravel a cure for a mystery disease. Wow. We can't complain too much after we've been asking them, look, you've got to start dealing with the serious stuff, and this guy took that personally. A mystery disease? Someone came in ill, and basically he just started eating their shit. So he said, I'll eat your shit? Is that I'm not sure that's... I don't think that's the experiment. Wait, is it, is this I think guy, you might just have a creepy doctor. No. Is, is this guy a real doctor? Yeah. <laughs> he called a doctor poo. When he's, when he's explaining that, he's going to say, look, I think I know we're going to get to the bottom of this. And look, I know it sounds weird. Yeah. But don't take don't take this the wrong way. Got this like human centipede kind of operation. Going. If you Google doctor eating shit, you'll get in a man a man whose surname sins is coming up. <laughs> unfortunately, you take this bucket away with you. Bring it back to me in a week. Again, you're looking at me like it's weird. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if he's allowed any condiments. Like, what's the perfect kind of side plate to this? I think you asking that question is weirder than what the doctor's done. <laughs> I just want to know, like, can you make, can you improve this at all for this guy? Looks at it one week, he's like, this isn't your shit. I know <laughs> yours now. Well, we'll move on um, from one pile of shit to another. Um, Antonio Conte said on Saturday that he wasn't prepared to hide things anymore. And while the rest of us didn't think he was hiding things anyway, <laughs> he's kept it under it until now. That's good of him. Among other things, he said, we are not a team. We're 11 players that go into the pitch. I see selfish players, players that don't want to help each other and don't put their heart here is always the same. Every season, the club has the responsibility for the transfer market, the coach has responsibility, but the players, where are the players? I see selfish players, players that don't want to help each other and don't put their heart into this. There's no fire, no desire. You need to have this in every moment. When you are not a team, you can't improve. He's always the same every season, no matter who's the manager. If they want to continue in this way, they can change the manager. A lot of managers, but the situation cannot change, believe me. You still find excuses for the players. Excuses, excuses, and excuses again. Keep going. You only do this. My future, they lost confidence. Keep going. Protect them. Come on. This is unacceptable, and it's the first time in my career to see players like this. Wow. Now, he's a coward already because it's already come out. I wasn't talking about the board, by the way. I didn't mean anything bad about the boards. (laughs) Strictly the players. Now, 
Jack, you have experience uh, with having Conte in charge. He had <laughs> William block his face out with an emoji after an FA Cup final win. He was at Fabregas, Diego Costa and someone else that were snaking him at the time. And he still didn't even react like this. No. How disgraceful are these Spurs players? <laughs> the fact that we haven't seen this before and we know that he's got this in his locker, it just, you're right. It makes the mind boggles at how, how just, I don't know what the word is here for these Tottenham players. The closest what is when they went at the FA Cup last season, I remember it being the pouring rain because they still had to do the press conferences outside because of COVID. <laughs> and uh, when he was saying, look, maybe the club needs someone else. Maybe the club needs someone else and Spurs, but we ain't sacking you. So I don't, I don't know why you keep trying this. And then I think they obviously went on a run after that. I say they sneakily add points onto Tottenham when we're not looking to find themselves in the position they're always in. Mm. But something happened here and it is partially his doing. Spurs fans do, I saw Sean at in a report from the Daily Mirror earlier, which made my day. Spurs fans have woken up to say, look, it isn't just the players. This guy is absolving himself of blame constantly. He threw in the towel against us at home earlier in the season when he made that those five changes and just shut up shop. This time they were showing on match of the day that they took a 3-2 lead, a 3-1 lead and then sat back in a 5-4-1 and just didn't attack anymore. He has to answer some questions here, but he is a guy that clearly does not take responsibility and unfortunately for him when you put his resume next to Tottenham's success one feels far more credible when really it is a merge Mm. of the two I've seen it said that he tries to turn it into a 45 minute game where they'll be absolutely dog for the first 45 minutes block everything out and then try and start the engines after half time that's where you see so many horror stories this season or horror shows from Tottenham perspective where they did a one bit of the equation yeah (laughs) Yeah, pretty well yeah but they're finding it increasingly harder to actually kind of get going in the second half after being battered for 45 I think if you don't come into Conte's ways of thinking where I I don't know how many times I heard him say suffer at Chelsea you must suffer he said it it used to be these Tottenham players do not want to suffer we know this and that's it maybe other other teams like Inter or Chelsea, you've had players where you could suffer for 80 minutes of the game and Eden Hazard and Fabregas to pick a pass and Acosta to finish it and you win the league from it. And you could defend. Yeah. That was the thing. You had a strong sort of base to work off. Whereas yeah. this Tottenham team can't play like that. No. I think it must be difficult to get on board as well if that's the philosophy against Southampton. Yeah. Like, you look around the judgment and you go, well, we're enough, should have got enough to batter these. Yeah. And they were. I mean, but, look, yeah, the flip side is they were 3 1 up. So they should be able to see yeah. that game out. And it doesn't really matter what the manager tells you. Doesn't matter. He could be telling Kane to go play left back or whatever. And you could figure out a way to keep hold of that game. I think that game is on the players. Well, yeah, because looking at it, the, the penalty the first time I saw it, even I was saying that's that's very harsh. When I watched it back on match of the day, it's, it's less harsh than I thought it was. I think if it was, if David Luiz made that challenge and Conte was the manager, People would be saying, why is he swinging his leg out like that across the box in stoppage time? You should have enough to stand this guy up. Even the one for the first goal that Walcott scores, Romero can just keep running to block the ball. And for some reason, he's diving with his studs up, trying to trying to clear it away. 
The second one is, uh, so the first one's a simple cross across the box, sorry, from Walcott. The second one is the one Romero um, doesn't get out to. And then the third one, if your whole thing is going to be that we play this horrible football because we don't concede and then we score goals, then you you shouldn't be conceding three to Southampton regardless of the circumstance of the goals. No. No, I didn't think it was a penalty just because I, I thought if he touches him, it's barely. Because I thought he, even in the replays, like, I still think it's harsh. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was. Um, but also, you know, once he gives it, if there is any contact at all, you know, the VAR isn't going to overturn that. So, and that's kind of the rules we've kind of set for VAR as well. We've kind of said that's what we want. So you kind of have to go with it. Other than Old um, Trafford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've. The thing with Conte is, is, I mean, I'm amazed he's still in employment, really, because. He wants that pay yeah. so bad. But also, the, 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 it's kind of every like, comedy movie where a guy is trying to get dumped and the girl likes yeah. him more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why, why won't you leave me? <laughs> but the, and, thing, the thing that all the journalists are saying is that. The payout isn't that much. So the, the payout say, is, at this stage, obviously, he's got almost nothing left on yeah, the contract, yeah. so it can't be that and much. It just wants a long time. Fabrizio keeps saying, you know, sources close at Tottenham suggest that Antonio Conte won't be renewing his contract. I could have been your source <laughs> in this equation. <laughs> yeah. I could have been this from a while ago when he basically said, look, I'm having to think about things. I've had these losses close to me. He doesn't feel like he's been backed. Two hundred and twenty million spent in the last two windows, by the way. Yeah, that's Spurs. can't be having like, that. That's more. That's more. They keep twisting these ones to saying, uh, like, since he came in, they use it, and then they put it next to Arteta, who's been there like a year and a half longer. A lot of these signings you could just look at, and they just look idiotic <laughs> in the first place. Yep. I said at the time. Conte was going to be the only guy that Spurs were going to allow to sign a 38-year-old Perisic. Richarlison for 60 million. Sudden summer. The only worry I had, and I did say this at the time, was two games against us when I don't like the bloke anyway and it just felt inevitable. This guy has made his living off just being a shithouse to the biggest rivals of the team he's playing for. The day he signed, he posted a picture of him pushing over Hector Bellerin in a game they lost (laughs) 3-0. (laughs) this is just what he does and him not scoring a single goal and well I've not heard anything about his injury but he went off crying again it's Brazilians in the league Bruno did that Bruno Gimaraes did that the other week and he was back a week later and (laughs) Casemiro did it last week because he just gone in studs up on someone Stadium's getting great. Oh, these. really odd. They do love a cry, don't they? Mm. But when William Gallas does it, we all get, <laughs> we all go in on him. <laughs> There's something that clearly hasn't clicked, and all we kept hearing for so long, and I don't want to make this an episode of me patting myself on the back, was they kept saying Spurs are playing. Oh, Spurs that's are playing for those counting. <laughs> Spurs are playing terrible, but they still keep winning. And I said at the time, this might just be them. This might not be that they're going to suddenly going to click and they're going to be this incredible team afterwards. And they are usually very good at getting over the line. There was the one where they got pieced up early against Brighton uh, away. And then they did what Conte wants his team to do. And I don't think Brighton had a sniff in the second half and they stayed tight and they won it 1-0. The thing is, in the Premier League, you're not going to win 1-0 every game. I don't know if you could go through the players and ask how many of them 
are bought in because something with Chelsea, we all know the turnaround was you lost 3-0 at the Emirates and a week later you went to five at the back and then no one could score against you, no one could beat you. Mm-hmm. And is that from there? I don't, you clearly have to be able to show the players this is what yeah. works. Because if you're going to do put up all his... It must be difficult physically in the training or whatever, but also his histrionics and everything. If you're winning, that can be inspiring. If you're doing anything else, it's just annoying. Yeah. And it is, we've seen it happen with him and with Jose, even within their successful teams where once that runs out, they start going, fuck this guy. I'm not yeah. playing for him. And that's even players that have won with him. Is, so if you haven't done anything, as these Spurs players haven't, then they're not going to get with it. There was like pre-season when Conte was our manager and he would do these like say this. yeah he would do these camps and I remember watching it one time because he used to do these live access training camps from like America and it was like 40 degree heat and there's videos of I think it's either Zappacosta or someone throwing up during a training session because he's just being worked <laughs> so hard and this year when we've been told it's going to be the most exhausting season ever for yeah. Premier League players and look United will tell you it's that just because they had to play a whole Carabao Cup campaign their players are exhausted <laughs> There was all these clips of like Kane saying, we've never been batted like this. And I remember uh, reading an article, I don't think it was on The Athletic, but it was somewhere that was going into detail saying, this actually doesn't show to be beneficial to players. Like you can only peak at like a certain point and... I'm maybe not in a position to talk on this one, (laughs) fortunately, this year. The Spurs players weren't suddenly going to become genetic freaks after <laughs> yeah. four months of preseason. Was it the shortest preseason ever, wasn't it? Yeah. He was never just going to turn them into it. So all that really happened was they came off this long, horrible season where they pip Arsenal and statement at the time was it was more about us not getting over the finish line than it was them being dramatically good. They get over there, they have this tiny preseason, they get back in and Conte is battering them. Mm-hmm. They start the season... And the negativity has to have something to do with it. It must be more horrible as a player when Chelsea were doing it and they were winning and they've got five beyond the ball and they're setting up and they're clearing everything away and they're saying, we're not going to score again. And the fans are well aware if we're going to score again, it's probably going to be on the break at the end of the game and they can get behind it. The Spurs, the position they're in, they hate it because we're on top. The Newcastle have the games in hand on them. The more they get behind the ball, the more restless the fans are getting. That stadium gets rocking like three times a season anyway because they can't fill it. They hate the owners. They've got all these protests going on at the same time. So the more you sink in, the players are getting restless anyway. And then it's not like you have some of the defenders that you had. They've got boneheads like Longley, Romero and Dav- Eric Dyer. Davis and Sanchez, yeah. At what point... Yeah. We're going to talk about the England team because... Harry Maguire being in those squads is still not the most egregious thing. No, there's a Eric Dyer is still in every single one of these Remarkable. squads. And Conte, he's cursing these players. He wanted to give him a new deal. <laughs> <laughs> what does Eric Dyer get on these managers? What dirt does he dig? See that clip doing the rounds again of him with the bloke from Barstool. The bloke from Barstool says to him, like laughing, and you don't win anything here, do you? And Eric Dyer goes, no, <laughs> and starts cracking up with a piece of pizza. Oh, no. Oh, my God, that's not a good look. And that's from pre-season. So it's... That's where Conte does have a point where most of this is... I mean, it seemed like it was a genuinely emotional reaction, in fairness, where he was pissed off. But almost all of his interviews, 
we've often speculated sometimes is it to get something out of the players at this point I'm not even sure if he cares no, about the no. players is it something to force about his employers again he's not trying to force them from the employers at this point he does just seem pissed off but he is also looking to preserve obviously his own reputation and I think he's partly right where there has been a culture that's been allowed to fester at Spurs where we said before it must be a really comfortable place to play because you are playing at the highest level you can whilst having no expectations or pressure of winning. Yeah. And that sort of thing has probably led to numerous things have led to someone like Deli Ali not fulfilling his potential. But if you're coming into work every day with that sort of culture, that probably is where turn up, train, go home. If you win on Saturday, you win. If you yeah. don't, well, fans might be a bit pissed off for a bit, but you'll probably hit a run and you'll buy some time again. It's just kind of, they seem like an endless cycle of that where I suppose we'll just do enough and I'll just get a fourth here and there. I, I but the fans won't fully riot. Yeah, I agree totally. Because you think they get to the, it was all about getting fourth and then they get to the Champions League and they still have this tag of like little old Spurs, like slugging it out with the heavyweights of AC Milan, which, and they're pulling out an awful performance when Chelsea in one of their worst seasons ever did them with, over over two legs for four goals, no five goals. Sorry, but and pun, it's like the pundits still big. Gary Neville went into the season saying Spurs were the only team that could challenge Liverpool and Man City, and that is presumably the conviction in Conte at that point because you're saying he's had a history of success, and they think what can bridge the gap between Spurs and those is that his experience and if he can make Spurs hard to beat, we and terrible. then someone like Kane and Son can score the yeah. goals, that you can kind of make up for some of their other sort of deficiencies but you've seen they can't because there's too many of them how bad is it like when you, if you look at Spurs who obviously haven't won a trophy for 20 years or whatever it is I think it's close to that 2008, 2008 yeah. so. but n- nothing massive well, that's only because you allowed it yeah nothing massive like anything like that but you've got these two serial winners that come in that have never not won anything at any of the clubs that they've managed before in Jose and then Conte and then you're running the risk here. Right, this pretty much nailed on. You're not, <laughs> They've broken yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> so, these two players, these two managers that are serial winners are not going to win a single thing with this team. Never forget that they sacked Jose on the eve of a cup final to let Ryan Mason be in charge. It's just... Where Jose says he claims 0.5 of a medal because he never got the chance to lose the game. Yeah. He said he deserves 0.5 of it on his record. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have made no difference in that cup for example. But you give it a chance, don't you? You're these now giving a go. They lost 1 0, didn't they? It wasn't, and City didn't batter them. They scored later from my. I mean, the nature of the game was a battery. Yeah. But. Who would you rather, like, Ryan Mason or Jose? Yeah. In in a cup final. Just parachute him in for one game. I do. The Jose one, I think Jose has already shown he's basically a busted flush at this point by the time he gets the Spurs job. Whereas Conte, I'd say, we haven't yet seen that. Maybe he is now, but I don't think he's yet shown it. Maybe Spurs would have dragged it out of him. Well, Even not, then, he's just, he's just gone and won the Conference League with Roma. Yeah. And Conte... Oh, come we, on. I mean, Arteta's European record is under surveillance as well. Before I say this about Conte, because that's going to be the thing that someone's mm-hmm. going to say. Spurs went out of the group stage in the Conference League. And look, if we're doing the if we're doing the every gunner is a runner thing, they did the exact same. They let Wren fly over and then said, we ain't playing that game. And then said, oh, actually, we can't reschedule it. And the Spurs fans said, that was why. They were already more than three points back, which is why they went away in third place. I mean, in fairness, considering yourself above the Conference League or Europa League 
but wilting at any prospect of Champions League success is very Spurs. Yeah. Just such like imposter syndrome in the Champions League, yeah. but far too good <laughs> for the Europa League in Conference League. Like, Where are you, lads? Where, yeah. I can't figure it out. Yeah, we tried the Europa League. It just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> How many seasons is that? You're in it now? Seven we, I think, I think someone said, no, we didn't make Europe for one year. Oh yeah, of course. I think we did make Europe for two of the years. Um, we had, I think, five seasons in there and the highlight really was we won away at the San Siro and we won away at Napoli where Abamyang and Lacazette clicked for one game. <laughs> Lacazette, uh, Abamyang scored an unreal hat trick. Uh, Ramsey scored at the San Siro and we had like OAP heads gone Wenger when we played Atleti and Kishani when we were 1-0 up at the end of the first well, second leg actually volleys the ball into his own face and he goes backwards for Griezmann to tap in <laughs> and I was in the stands and he did the Fortnite dance right in front of me <laughs> yeah, some teams just aren't meant for European football Byron. but still fantastic theme song so <laughs> yeah. evens out um, do you need to bounce by the yeah, way yeah that's alright right. we'll mute you I mean, there's going to be some confusion here because you're going to hear Jack later in the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, the ghost of Jack appears. We'll say he's going to play football. Yeah. He's going to come back after football to finish the pod. Me and TK are still here to talk about Conte. <laughs> Put a noise on it, make it sound like he's in his car. <laughs> well, we Conte. Um, yeah, well, you look at you look down those players, and that is part of it. It is. Saying it's easier to win in other leagues feels disrespectful, but then I also feel it is easier to win <laughs> in other leagues. Mm. Certainly easier to win a Serie A with Inter Milan than it is to win a Premier League with Tottenham. Yep. Um, and you can see that some of those players have come back into the Premier League and it hasn't worked the same way that it did in Serie A. But like, I go down that Spurs team and it looks like I really am a hater. Got the Rumble 95 on here and Pamela Anderson is looking <laughs> sublime. Um WWF and Pamela Anderson. We could not get more <laughs> mid-90s in. Lloris, bomb. Who do you want on the left? Sessegnon, Perisic, mm-hmm. whoever you want to tell me. The answer's the same. Your boy Ben Davis. Yeah, probably best of the three. Um, and then you've got Romero, Longley, Dyer. Again, bums. Right-hand side, Emerson Royale. Look, a few good games. You're not tricking me. Pedro Porro looks from the short time he's been in the league. Look, he's going to be largely similar. He's going to be good going forwards. And then you ask him to defend and it could be looking spooky. New manager coming in. All the managers they're being linked with want to play a back four, which is the next <laughs> hilarious thing when you give a guy who wants to leave 50 million to spend in January on a wing back. <laughs> Midfield, Hoiberg, I mean, he's a decent player. You're not tricking me, telling me that he's any better than anything we've got, anything better than City have got. He's better than the Liverpool midfield. Probably wouldn't even get in the Liverpool midfield. Chelsea, no. United, no, probably not. Who have we got then? Benton Coy, a good player. And then Son, Shot to bits. If you're not, a horrible season. If you're not going to play on a counter attack, that man's toast. Kane, he keeps stat padding. <laughs> you're not tricking me. <laughs> Maybe he goes to United, but I think he does. 
I think the price that they're going to be asking for is is going to be horrendous, and you probably look elsewhere. Maybe. Although I am quite convinced Ossiman goes to Chelsea. Oh God! Mainly because I I, I think Napoli are just highest bidder. I think Ossiman has been very clear. I want to play in the Premier League, not specific to any yeah. particular team, yeah. and unless. City, Pep says, you know what? I liked having a centre forward so much. I want two now. <laughs> He's going to go four four two from next season. I want more problems. <laughs> then he gets Ossiman in as well. And there's only there's a lot of big players going this window, and unless it's Chelsea, no team is probably going to get two of them. Declan Rice is going to be probably eighty plus. You're looking at Harry Kane the same, Ossiman the same, Crouch. Farage Kelly, however you pronounce that, Kvitcha, um, he's going to be going for similar price to Ossiman. <laughs> uh, Jude Bellingham in there as well. It's it's going to be carnage. So we'll see. Uh, Harry Kane may just be looking at your age. Everyone else there is twenty one to twenty five. We'll actually leave you there because your are in bits. Yeah. Because it's not like one of them where he's run his contract down and all we're doing is paying you a massive wage now for a while. We're paying a huge fee to then give you a massive wage as well. Yeah, it it depends how bullish United are that they can win now. Yeah. Which they should be. Then theory, surely you, can fro- you, you just put the money out for Austin, man. Yeah, but as you said, they, they could miss out on him feasibly, couldn't yeah. they? And then you go, well, who else are we going to invest in? Kane should be the guy. If, uh, so with their thing with... Um, too many people have looked at the Anthony situation, looked at his shortcomings or whatever. It's, it's not what they've got with Anthony, it's what they could have got. Because if you've got an actual yeah. player that was worth that value, you'd be going, they are one piece away from winning this league. They could have they could have had a dig at winning the league this year because not a million miles of it now and a player of that quality, an actual 80, 90 million pound player, can bridge the gap of some of your other deficiencies and, and in a Still season like a bit this. thin, but I, I agree. But that can cover up some of it. You know, were we the best team in the Gerald Slip year? No, but Suarez was freakish, and you had a few other things going for us. If they had a player of that quality there, they've had a good go this year. And I also think it wouldn't just be that we're saying Kane might go to United in the summer. Would be saying when's he going? He'd be going because you'd go Kane plus Rashford plus whoever an actual top draw player on the other side instead of Anthony was. You'd be that could be the best attack in the league. And you'd be going, well, Kane has to go there. Instead, now we're like, mm, maybe he'll just see it out of Spurs. Some other questions. Is Conte going to get another Premier League job again? I don't see it because I don't think the top teams will give him the job. And he's not going to go anywhere else, is How it? Much damage- it's weird that he went to Spurs. Has his reputation been damaged? A little bit. Because that's I- kind of the thing with Spurs. Like, Jose came out and it was kind of same as it was before. <laughs> yeah, his reputation was slightly in decline anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that's how he'd ended up there. I think the Conte one, how it's weird that he ended up at Spurs was that he probably could have still sat by and waited for another job. Um, and it, he was always going to, you would normally associate, easy for me to say, him with a club that if they're not the best team in the country, they're next to. They're nearly the best. We knew Spurs weren't. So, and we haven't seen him build one towards that. So, it always felt a weird fit anyway. The tricky thing is, because of his personality, probably even more than Jose, I think clubs will be wondering if they can handle him. And I think as much as people sort of ridicule Gary Neville for it, I think his yeah. his concerns about how he'd fit United 
probably did apply, whether they're actually accurate or not, I think the club did think that. I think they wondered, how would we deal with this personality? Has Conte done enough damage to the Spurs job that another top manager wouldn't wouldn't go there? I don't think so. I think if if they play it right, Spurs can have the best of both worlds here because they're obviously moving on from Conte. And you can learn a little bit from what he said about the culture of this club and about the players. Some of those players in that dressing room, you go, mentally, some of these are too weak. We're going to have to get some different characters in. Not even necessarily even just about the quality of the players. It's about some of their... You just need a few different personalities in there, I think, that are going to sort of set some standards that maybe, even if it's just a few players with more experience of winning things, you know, sometimes that feels a bit cheap and a bit short-sighted but, but we the also, fact that mo- most of those Spurs players hasn't I do think has some sort of bearing we also know that having a clear out isn't cheap though and if you're I'm not suggesting wholesale changes no but also in terms of making a culture reset you do need that so you do need mm. you need to have at least more of the players that were there before gone and you wheel out so Arteta the clearest case in recent times looked at Saka Xhaka Smith Rowe uh, a couple of the younger ones, Burnt Leno at the time, as I've said, you actually fit with what I want to do in terms of attitude. He looked at Mustafi, he looked at Socrates, he looked at Aubameyang, he looked at Willian, he looked at Lacazette and said, actually, you probably don't fit. Actually, Lacazette, I guess he did fit. Um, Spurs, depending on how many of them they think are mouldable, I think they would probably look at someone like Romero, Hoiberg, Kane, Son, uh, Kuliszewski and and that lot and say you are moldable. Yeah, that's that's fine, isn't it? That's in that sense, it's not dissimilar from Arsenal in that you'd say we have some of the ingredients here. We've just got to add to some of it and get rid of some of the dross. Is that ownership ever going to hand over that much? I guess ownership of the situation. Are they ever going to be told what to do? It's it's a slightly weird one because I do think. Levy learned from the Jose appointment where he kind of went for Jose but didn't go all in on him. So if you're going to do that, you kind of got it. You can't try and be the Pochettino club with Mourinho. It's two different models. I do think he tried to go give Conte what he wanted. If you look at the players, you know, he said, yeah, yeah. probably goes against his nature to sign someone like Perisic. Not sure. He seemed to want to try and influence him, put his own influence in by getting Jed Spence in. I don't know what that was about because that was, clearly wasn't Conte's move. But then, but that then one, I think he did. I think he did give Conte what he wanted. Conte just couldn't put together. Like he couldn't put make something out of the ingredients he gave him. The Jed Spence one may have actually made the most sense of all of those signings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird how much Conte has disliked him as well. Well, you look at you the know, clips of the him players we've watched play there. You give him a go. You also look at the clips of him in France, and you look at then I know what we say about Lacazette in France, Balogun in France. That then tells me you're doubting yourself by allowing that manager to then bring in Pedro Porro in the position of a guy that you've not even seen play properly for the club yet, because. What's the best case scenario that both of them are good and then what one of them value is going to diminish because you're not going to recoup the 50 million for Pedro Porro, I would doubt. Yeah, I do think the ownership mismanaged the situation horribly as well because I think in, in theory, they've probably got an entitlement to think they do back the manager. They've coughed up the funds or whatever, but then to the fans, it appears like they're not. So they're not serious about winning things. And so 
the fans still dislike you because they think you're not fully invested. You feel you are invested, so you're losing money. And it's, it ends up in a vicious cycle where the, the kind of no one's winning. Pre-new stadium, we were hearing that he was one of the best ownership models in the league. And then Daniel Levy's the master negotiator and all that. And et cetera, also, et I remember saying to Alex, it may not have even been on the podcast, that we did this with the Emirates. Unfortunately, you don't have the good times of before that you can kind of remember while you go through this period where you're not spending money. Spurs, while not selling out the stadium and not maximising the returns from the stadium they could, which is why we're now getting like go-kart tracks in there and we still haven't sold the naming rights still, which is mental. Crazy. Um, you're supposed to have the time to then make it self-sustainable again. They haven't done that. They've carried on spending cash like mm. more than they were beforehand. Still trying to speculate to accumulate in a um, way, aren't they? That's not going to go the whole time because they had to have uh, what 150 million they got injected in by the ownership at the start of the summer because the Spurs fans were saying look we've read that we've already got 100 million for the summer we've just seen they've put another 150 in so we've got 250 million to spend this summer <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite how it works yeah, yeah. but that's the way that uh, we were being sold it links in with uh, Chelsea who we're going to speak about with Jack, if uh, <laughs> you're keeping up here. <laughs> we said for so long that Simeone and the Chelsea job felt like it was just nailed on. You look at how the Chelsea fans are reacting to that kind of football now and you question whether they'll appoint a manager like that again. Is Spurs now the only viable place left for Simeone to manage in the Premier League? No, they they wouldn't. They won't do it now, I don't think. Um because I think they have to go with a different style now because I think the fans are so pissed with it. And let's face it, you've, you've parlayed Jose into Nuno into Conte. <laughs> Those are three managers who, even at their respective peaks, it's, if I say conservative football, if I be kind. Is there a chance the ownership says, well, we've gone this far, this is like the last level? They should do. They should just go, right, we're going all in on this. Uh, imagine like Kane's just like another defensive manager. Because well, we're, we're led to believe that he's the current master of this game Simeone and the LSE fans sure. think he's shot to bits. <laughs> yeah 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 well I think the game is advancing and particularly it's more offensive minded managers who've got more creativity in that front so it's just by nature more difficult for a manager like that to still be able to to one be able to innovate and sort of create situations where that style of play play works but also to get the players on board with it because a more adventurous fun attacking style is always going to be more endearing to the players as well as just not just the fans so I do think particularly in this sort of age where clubs are so PR driven and concerned about what fans think I think it's going to be very difficult for a top club to give a job to Simeone because of He's the all- because of the uh, assimilation with him with that style of play I don't know that any club's going to do that Aren't him and Conte also the two highest paid managers in world football? Yeah, I mean, Simeone's it's by a lap as well. Yeah. So, I'll let him have every right to go, hang on a minute, we need the a bit fans more. fans are going, where's the transfer budget? And Simeone's going, uh, just, yeah, I'm quite happy with what we've got, actually. I've got to put the kids through school, what do you mean? So like Roger's complaining about um, the, the lack of money that's been available to uh, invest in the Packers roster, and you go, well, I can maybe see where a lot of yeah. this is. Yeah. Where's this 60 million going each year? Uh I mean, I don't know how much more there is to say about Spurs that it would be very Spurs to go now and win their next three. They'll say Conte gave them the kick that they needed. 
Mm-hmm. I still think they get top four because I just trust them more than Newcastle. And I don't know if that's sentiment talking more. Sentiment's the wrong word. But You're counting us up. I'm not counting you out, but I, I, you. <laughs> I, I think at the same time, as, as we said before, that there's too many of your players that are waiting for the summer. I think you need to be in a situation where you kind of find yourself there and then it can click and say, well, now we'll, now we've got this to go and do it. I think at the moment, trying to sell your players, we can still go and do this. I think there's too many of them that are kind of, well, can we? Yeah, I think Spurs and Newcastle would have to open the door for us. So after the City and Arsenal games, we're still feasibly in for chance. I think that could spike it for us. If we're still a little bit adrift after those games, I think that'll probably, yeah, our players will probably be on the beach. It's rough that United fans have had me questioning, like, would I rather, it would be at their expense, would I rather Spurs somehow got ahead of you <laughs> just because I want anyone above of you? Like, would I take that as the sacrifice? Spurs get kidded into thinking this works. I, I think it works doubly well for you, actually. Yeah, because Spurs are kind of get kidding themselves that they're all right and United get slightly embarrassed. But then at the same time, the circumstance of us not winning the league and whichever one of those clubs it is going, we only finished one place behind you. So our seasons have definitely been just as good as each other. I'm aware aware how the United conversation goes if we finish second already. They've got a trophy. (laughs) And I'm I'm just no selling the answer. It's just going to be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you might not be riding this a bait now, but come on, we've got a whole summer for you to rise oh, yeah, to. Yeah, I'll, I'll be worrying about our lack of signings probably at that stage. I'm aware of how, uh, how it goes. Do you want to win this fucking league yeah. or not? Yeah. Um, elsewhere in the league, before we get on to uh, the England squad, we had quite a mental Wolves Leeds game. Um, Didn't see goals there. No, did you watch match of the day? Mm. Did someone like say something in his ear? Because Mark Chapman says at one stage, they in a right mind to appeal that red card for Johnny. And then it's Dion Dublin's like, I think they'd be wasting an appeal if they did try and do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he kind of goes along with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I was just saying like. Yeah, yeah. Was it, was it that one? They... I think maybe they've done it again because there was maybe it was about the the Fulham United game. I can't remember. There was another red card in this where people talked about appealing it as well. And you're like, why would you bother? I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you can appeal it if you want, but you're not going to get anywhere. Bizarre. Um, I mean, Johnny also scores a peach in that. Game. Is he always had Otto on the back of his shirt? By the way, I thought he used to just have Johnny on the back of his shirt. Is this a never Mandela effect? Is it, do we always have? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I because I, I thought he only had Johnny on, and there. then he had Jay Otto on the back of it yesterday. So I should have they just signed another Johnny. I was thinking as a commentator, there's so many ways that could go when you've got Cock and Johnny in the same game, and it just didn't end up going that way. If you got two Johnnies, you got to call the shitter one Jurex. At one point, he said Cox uh, Cox spreads it wise, and I thought okay, maybe the commentator had a little no, nod no. to himself, but that's about as far as we got. Little fist bump with the co-commentator. Yeah, Peach in there. Both Leeds and Wolves kind of looked equally not good. <laughs> Weird, wasn't it? Yeah. But then Leeds, 
as they've shown against you the last two years, we've got to play them at the Emirates still. And I still look at them and go like, you could have something for me. Yeah. And it would make no sense, but they're, they are literally any given Sunday FC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are a little bit like Everton with Goodison is they can get the place rocking in their home games. They can, That can see you through in certain games that are maybe tight. The interesting thing with them, with Javi Graffia, is going to be whether they... It's going to be sort of a match made in heaven or hell because they're obviously a chaotic team. Yeah. Open, but back and forth, but can score a goal potentially, but might concede a few. He's obviously a little bit more about getting teams organised yeah. and shaping up. So whether he can sort of quell what they naturally want to do and sort of hone that, or whether it's just a defensive manager trying to manage a team that has been all out attack and it looks absolutely vile. Yeah. And then the league, before we get on to the FA Cup, we played again yesterday, not on TV. Um, and it was kind of business as usual. After about 20 minutes, and aside from one moment, I was kind of doing the, what are you worried about? Um, Cigars out. Because we looked very good. There was a phase of, uh, on the BN or NBC coverage, I'm going to say, they do the thing, and I think they do it on whichever one hosts the Champions League with Carragher and that. And they do the, the thing, don't they, where they say last 10 minutes and it's basically like a, almost like a Tetris block that's just full on the colour either way of how much of it you've had. And there was like a 15 minutes where it was just pure red, <laughs> where we were just passing them to death and we finished... Uh, that was then bleeding out. Yeah, for the Saka goal second time around. It was... Basically, in the day before, you had Haaland just going nuts in the FA Cup. And you showed the difference between the sides because we were just purely wing play again yesterday. Again, I have to question, and I've quoted it myself on here, the kind of second Arteta's second choices with Zinchenko and Trossard and these. Mm. And we laugh about the pump fake thing. There's so many of those. You look now and it's like, that makes no sense in terms of how we want to play now. Like Vlahovic more than Jesus makes no sense when you look at it now. Lissandro Martinez, the the main criticism he has is when he's dragged out wide and you think this is a guy we're going to ask to play left back. Mm. Um, you look at Mudrik now and I have to think the idea was then that the second striker we were either going to go was going to be Yao Felix, I, I guess, but because we were still trying for Mudrik after that that Martinelli was going to move central. And then you look at Trossard playing as a false nine and it's like the most perfect fit you will ever see in terms of replacing Gabriel Jesus. I spoke about uh, Nketiah and Martinelli. They just do not have the connection. Mart- Martinelli has like six in four when Trossard starts. Xhaka mm. has two in three in the last games that Trossard started. He is the best guy at still facilitating that left-hand side while Jesus is out of the team. And we had the question with Enketia very briefly. Arteta at the moment, we know what Gabriel Jesus does. And I think he's going to go to another level. The second he gets that goal, because he was on the drought, wasn't he, before he got injured. It's not for me to say, and the statistics are still going to say they get the same not really counting these, like I'm not counting a goal drought when you're playing 10 minutes a game 
to say Fair you've enough. not scored here, you've not scored there. He probably will be though. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. So they after the Fulham game when he, he has that chance late on, um, the journalist was saying he was out on the pitch and he was still like on his hands and knees in the dugout, <laughs> like cursing, just watching it back. I've at the moment, it's probably lucky there's an international break because it would be very harsh to take Trossard out of the team when you look at the way he's playing. Yeah, I mean, he looks, as you said, the perfect fit for you, but he is elevating players around him, which I would, in our set of shoes, I think, leave it as it is until proven otherwise, just because on the sh- basically you're down the stretch now. And whilst you'd be great to see Gabriel Jesus sort of play himself back into form, that's not really what you need now. You kind of, you're all systems go. So if he comes on off the bench, buys a goal, you can see his confidence is up. Maybe something to think about. But as it is, like you said, Trossard's been like red hot since he's joined you. What I would say with Jesus is he isn't playing like someone that's just returned from injury. Like he came on for what, six minutes against Fulham and he was zipping around like the exact same way he was before. Didn't well, you see- take your time with him, so I assume. Yeah. Didn't see part of it. too much of him in the Europa League. I actually replied to a tweet just before we came on here. The Arsenal Twitter admin, so the Adidas have done this documentary on him coming back from injury. And I had a heart attack. They tweeted out an unfortunate injury at inopportune time. Gabriel Jesus. And what the great start to life at Arsenal is rocked by knee surgery. Episode one of the documentary is here. Lead with that. Lead with episode one. (laughs) Yeah. He he's definitely going to have a part to play in. I think if we're going to win the league, it's going to uh, it's, that's going to be needed. the The downside to City not having played the same amount of games is it's definitely going to be quoted if we don't win it. Arsenal are eight points clear with ten games left, despite the fact that we do we do have that game. Um, not to uh, left to play. Yeah, not to scare you, but that's exactly where we were at. There's eight points, game in hand, and a game with City to play. Yeah. So, at um, one point... In I that, saw United fans trying it and someone replying saying, you actually had the worst collapse we've seen. You were five points clear with four games left and lost the league. So Don't like to bring that one up, do they? No, I'm looking at the fixture list in... Can't see where you lose. It's not, not good for you. It's not good for us. I, Jesus I, Christ, I, it's not. No, I do think they're gonna I do think they're gonna piece you up because typically outside of the Champions League, when they've needed a result, they've got a result and that has been the same for you, but this isn't the same you. And points wise, this is largely the same them. <laughs> I think we're finishing them. We're burying them. We win that. Your open is clear, it's done. I know what you mean. It'd be it'd be nice. I'm feeling bullish. It'd be it'd be nice. Um, Putting the final nail in their coffin, and that'll be our uh, that'll be our trophy for the season. Okay, that'd be nice. If you forget about the community shield, which everyone seems to have forgotten about, and the seven nil against United, that was a long time ago. And that seven nil against United, which we will have a bus for, because it was that good. I don't care what anyone says. I do think it's probably fortunate for us, just a little bit that there's an international break because the way City have been cooking those last two games I'm not sure we need that just a bit of breaking it up a little bit Um, a lot was said about you know how are Arsenal going to react to going out of the Europa League the main thing for me was just the the minutes played because in terms of going out of the Europa League 
I made sure to say it during the game because I thought if we go out and I immediately say, I wanted to go, I wanted out, anyway. to go out, people go, oh yeah. I, I think, and for good reason, because teams aren't usually in that situation, we have not seen a team compete for the Premier League and the Europa League at the same time. It seems the same for us in terms of the gap. When everyone that is a professional tells you about the Thursday, Sunday, there's clearly something... And the, the stats do normally yeah. play out that way, so it's obviously um, something. And you went out probably the best way possible, other than the minutes played as well. Yeah. But as Come in, on, you yeah. made a fist of it. You didn't just go, right, we're just going to quit. Because I do think I would probably send out a bad message to the team. Yeah, just although, rolling over. now that Saliba's injured, I need to see how long he's going to be out for, because it looks about a rash call to play. To play now, that is game. true. Yeah, true. Um, Tommy Asu's out for the season. Um knee bracing look these same players every single season are collapsing like international break parties just gone out there and I've just seen Chris Hewton saying if you think he's got a huge role to play for Arsenal he's got a huge role to play for Ghana it's, can you just hang on a minute <laughs> have your AFCON when it gets down there we'll let you qualify I don't want Saka playing for England the three players that have pulled out today England have just said we're not replacing them we're just going to Everyone's going to get more minutes in the Jesus. Um, and with Rashford going out and Mount going out, Saka, you're probably going to be playing every single minute. Brilliant. Um, we'll talk about England in a minute, but we'll save the England number one debate for next season, maybe. Just keep this guy. Don't even have him train. <laughs> Don't even want the keeper playing. Wow. Um, no, I was very confident in uh, Matt freaking Turner until I saw him air punch a corner in the, in Lisbon. I and even worse that then the pundit on BT kept calling him Ben Turner for like a me. whole half time. Oh no. And then Kian was like, you know what? If I'm in that defense, I don't feel safe playing with this guy. It's <laughs> like, come on, give the guy a break. <laughs> He's going to watch that later. Poor guy. Yeah. But, uh, what was I saying? Uh, the, yeah, this, the squad that we've got there, we just need everyone Particularly on now because that fixture list looks looks rough. But then at the same time, and it's not been at the same time of the season, these players have turned up for those games this season. We're actually better away from home than we are at home. At home, we give a charity goal away every single time. I know what I was saying before about the, the hangover and people saying, how's Martinelli going to react to missing the penalty? I didn't have too much doubt really that he was going to bounce back and then you score inside what 15 minutes Saka spreads the play beats his man and helps when you can go both ways like he does and smash it in the corner when I saw and I had the the two thoughts go through my head midweek that they were going to have an academy guy in goal the one hand was like maybe it is our year maybe (laughs) the stars have just aligned and this is just how it's, what am I worried about? And then I closed my eyes and I just saw man of the match display, Academy goalkeeper makes his name. <laughs> so I saw them losing the week to Brighton. And then Fiera got sacked. We've got his shirt out in tribute to the fallen soldier. <laughs> I do wonder. He was able to cheer us on then. And that 2-0, I kind of thought. Third, I'll be, feel far more comfortable with. But these guys aren't having a sniff. Zaha 
had one early where we nearly got Emmy Martinez. He cut inside, he hit the post, and it came back off Ramsdale's back and then out of play. Other than that, I saw their fans battering Zahar, saying he wasn't interested, he didn't care. Oh dear. Really, they just didn't touch much of the ball. And I think the difference between us and City is uh, we actually allow more transitions against us than Man City do, which I think is why in recent times we've been able to score so many goals in that you transitioning against us, if you don't score, which a big if, then we're actually just going to cook you even more because now you're stretched and we're going to go at you again and again and again. Yeah, we again, we had a lot of, a lot of ourselves once upon a time. Yeah, Saka, Keon, Keon, I didn't say it out loud. He said to Saka, now, don't you go getting injured for England. You don't put that out there, Martin. <laughs> no, he said, I'm going to have a word with Gareth and tell him not to play you. And then he, I don't know who the pundit, the presenter was yesterday, but supposedly throughout the game, Keon was basically telling him, don't get too excited because we've got a horrible run of games coming up and I think we're going to struggle here. The pundit tells Saka and says, <laughs> Blimey. look, Martin here, he was telling us not to get too ahead of ourselves because he got the big games coming up. Um, what do you think? And Saka said, well, let's ask Martin, what What do you think? <laughs> and Keown said, well, I'm thinking you, on you've still got to go and win away at Anfield. You've got to go and win away at St. James's Park. You've still got that game against Man City. Or I, I, I don't know if you may be intimidated. And he's like, we're not intimidated by anyone. <laughs> he said, look, we didn't win the game, but look at the way we played them when they came here. Mm. Yeah, bizarre that people are exploring that one so yeah uh, I think Trossard he's not got as many goals I think he'd have liked he likes playing Liverpool and he likes playing Man City so if he's saving them for those games mm. yeah he does like playing us we don't mind yeah a hat trick at mm. Anfield should get the thing going um, you know there's, the, there's the, the stat they do which is a weird stat of the players that have received a standing ovation at the Bernabeu yeah and it, it's like Ronaldinho uh, someone else and Mudrick. Yeah. <laughs> Anfield need to start doing that. <laughs> Make yourself like that and it's like Arshavin, Trosser. <laughs> John Joe Shelby because he wants to play there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start cooking that way. But I don't know how long, how long can you keep doing the it's one game at a time thing? Because They've kind of changed it, which I thought was strange. They've switched it to we're only focused on the next game to we've now, before the game, they said we've now got 11 finals, which feels the opposite because that feels like more pressure. If you're, every game's a cup final, I thought the, what we're trying to do is make it every game is like... <laughs> trying to turn the pressure off. Kind of another thing. But they, they said it immediately after the game and I don't know if it was a thing of because we're at the Europa League, we're making clear that this is what we're doing. I, I, I don't know. I think so. I know what you mean in terms of that does the nature of that does sound like very pressurized, but it's just a different way of saying every game because you're treating it one yeah. game at a time and it's not related to the next one. So what I was going to say before, and I didn't want it to sound like the way it's said to Liverpool fans, is the one Premier League that you you did win under Klopp, you were criticised at the time for essentially bombing off every other competition mm. and myself included and mm. I remember um, you must have been competing with them for something because I remember I should may have, was it the Europa League season I remember a season where Spurs fans were weirdly livid with you for like phoning in every other competition 
Maybe you're phoning in the league to try and win the Europa League that year and then you lost to Seville. Maybe. Maybe I'm just thinking of one particular spit. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does make it, when you look at City's schedule now and before mm. the game against us, which is actually further away than I thought it was, they yep. do Bayern, Bayern at home, Brighton away, Arsenal at home in the space of 10 days. And we go... Southampton at home on the Friday night and then we've got nine days before we play City. Mm. Everything is, if you had a fully fit squad, everything is where Arteta would want it to be. The the 10 games left is where it's kind of really sunk in for me. When I heard that yesterday, it was like... Palms getting sway. Well, they said they have... The the feed I had was Peter Drury yesterday. Also, for as good as he is, magic's slightly taken away hearing it for 90 minutes. This is it. Everyone who says they want more Peter Drury. What I really mean is I want less Martin Tyler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, he said something like, look, 10 weeks today, a team is going to have their hands on the Premier League title. Arsenal will know their destiny, whether it's to win it or whether it's not to win it. And That's kind of how it works, Pete. Yeah, yeah and I've, 10 weeks. I don't know if I've got that long in me. <laughs> I'm not sure you have. I'm not sure you cut out for it. No, I don't think I'd have been cut out for the Invincible season. Definitely wouldn't. Because the second no. you've won the league, it's... The pressure was, this was all there, for nothing. Yeah. And then the pressure would have been, yeah. well, now don't lose a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have won the league and been fuming that you'd lost one of the last games. So it's, it's very sticky. A lot of Arsenal fans were getting concerned at the goals City put up against Leipzig and then against uh, Burnley. Burnley. I was kind of, get those goals out of your system now. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that's how it works, but I get your point. Worry about them. Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't not- think there's like a budget. <laughs> well, they've not won, was it? they've won three games back to back in the league twice all season. So, touch wood. Form doesn't suggest they are going to win every game now until the end of the season. And I think from an Arsenal perspective, most of our fans think that if we drop a point, it's done. It's suddenly, <laughs> yeah. We're now going to go on a spiral, and they're just going to take over. I don't know if we're going to have to tweak the system again at any point. You hope we're not going to have any injuries. the The same guys tend to be okay. Like Granite Jacker played 120 minutes in the week. He had the same thing where his leg goes out and his knee buckles that Tommy Asu had. Tommy Asu's out for the rest of the season having surgery. Shaka shakes it off and gets up. Saka, I can't remember what the record is now. He got his first rest in a while against the first half against uh, Sporting. Trossard came back a month early from what he was supposed to be. Martinelli, I've kind of been waiting for him to go down all season and he hasn't, so hopefully <laughs> that isn't the case. Tierney, you're probably overdue one Zinchenko you're probably overdue one party I'm going to say 22nd of April the guy goes down week before City yeah with an injury I should add yeah 
it's it's going to be a, a long way, but hard to I fair the title race with you and City. It felt like you were both on TV every single week for quite good reason. Feels like we're never on TV these days. Footage is a weirdly restrictive sort of thing, obviously because they couldn't. Basically, their normal schedule games had been taken off because of FA Cup. FA Cup. It did feel weird that you couldn't step into the breach with then, the Arsenal one. But then why... So they chose not to have a 12.30 and then because Chelsea win... Were Chelsea in the Champions League midweek? No, they weren't. So why the hell do we have to wait for Chelsea-Everton to play at the same time as the FA Cup on Saturday night? Yeah. Yeah, very. I hate odd. that. We're on a Saturday, looking and there's no twelve thirty, and then we've got international break this week. We're being <laughs> so, punished, sufferable, yeah, very rough. Um, didn't mean to speak that on Arsenal, but my nerves get the best of me when uh, when we start going. I'm sure everybody looked at Arsenal Palace this weekend and thought <laughs> we need a comprehensive <laughs> breakdown of that. Um, I just want Trossard to score again so I can do his celebration, basically. <laughs> FA Cup. Well, well, let's speak about United Fulham because I don't know if you've got a load to say on Sheffield Blackburn, Brighton Grimsby. No, you're supposed to not. compare Evan Ferguson to a Premier League great. I don't know if you've got one to reel off. I think Shearer has been taken and Kane has been taken. So if there's another maybe finisher that you would say in the Premier League leading goal scorers that you want to compare to Evan Ferguson, that's all the rage at the moment. Chris Sutton. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if he would take that one quite so well. But he doesn't have much of a choice. United Fulham, so for 71 minutes, it looked pretty in control. Plain sailing, Fulham. yeah. They were doing, we, we had a whole thing we're ready to talk about the difference that Palinia makes when he comes back into the side. Arsenal were lucky they didn't have to play with him in there. Yep. Harry Maguire was going to get the blame despite Rashford, I think it was, going down like a sack of potatoes with not much contacts in the area, which we know you've got to get the free kick or penalty in that case. And then Jaden Sancho breaks through, has a shot of goal and... I don't even know if a thought has crossed William's mind. It's like instinctive that it. he's gone with his hands because, I mean, if he keeps running... Yeah, his body's just going to His get, body's going to yeah. cut the ball out the way. And at first I thought he had. I thought it hit his body and maybe then bounced into his yeah. arm, whatever. And yeah, then no. we're all laughing at Sancho. I was already sitting... I mean, he had to score anyway, I think. Yeah. Well, I think from when he played against you he just expected that when he did that dummy, everyone was just going to stand still and he was going to put it in the net. <laughs> and then William just didn't let that happen. Other teams are committed to defending. And then just everything goes wrong. William, it took a bizarre amount of time to watch on the VAR to confirm that it was a penalty. Mm. And then I think on commentary in group chats, I was in there going, well, that must be a red then. It's like, no one's in any confusion other than maybe the referee at this point, the commentators who were saying, he's got to be off. Is that going to be a red card? Like, yeah, I <laughs> think so. Handball on the line is probably going to do it. <laughs> like, William was kind of saying, look, it it did it my fist, but it was in front of my body. So yeah. it doesn't count that way. 
There's it was probably... only just over the speed limit. Uh, Marco Silver, I'm sure, was it. What about the double jeopardy rule? <laughs> I heard there was double jeopardy in these situations. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite know the nature of their complaints because they were obviously fuming about something, but so it was a relatively black and white penalty. So supposedly Marco Silva was saying that before this happened, they should have had a penalty at the other end. Right, okay. And he said... he. he gestures to his pocket so he says something like oh you're obviously going to send him off then that's yeah we're at Old Trafford of course you're sending him off handballing it on the line oh heavens um Marco Silva goes and then he gets back on the pitch I have to assume and it's the only way I can give him any credit at all in terms of backing your boys just in the wrong way William has to have told Mitrovic it didn't touch my hand. <laughs> yeah. In which case, here's that man an apology because he's going to be turning a bad now. Because he has to have said something for Mitrovic to be that livid. <sighs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. He has to think there's some kind of injustice or this penalty they should have had, I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This cast iron penalty they should have had. Yeah, that was my thing. I couldn't... Because they did all lose their heads and I thought, if this was a contentious decision... I could see how that would happen, but it wasn't. So how they all... Even at 1-1, Fulham aren't out of it. They've just no. De Gea's just made a good save. Mitrovic is still causing them trouble every time. You're going to lose Woody and you're going to be down to 10 men, but you can manage the situation. Yeah. No, not a chance. And then, yeah, you, you shove the referee. And as much as for the 30 seconds that I thought, this is typically United getting their luck. I don't think any of us that were pointing out the Bruno situation were saying it to suggest that the Mitrovic one shouldn't also be a red card. Like once I saw that back, the push, it was like, well, you're obviously off. Like this yeah. is never going to be. Especially no. as you go head to head with him. Yeah. <laughs> you're not getting away with that. The Bruno one was just annoying because it was like, he puts his hands on him. But even if you were just boiling down categories of putting your hands on an official, I don't even think it's then in the same conversation. Mitrovic is obviously a lot more extreme, isn't it? Yeah. The, but I think the thing is, if if the rule is you touch an official, sure. you're out. That's what it was. Then there. how does Bruno get away with that's it? That's why, yeah. But in terms of if you were describing them, you wouldn't put them in the same. The one, the Bruno one is more of a, like, get away from me. Whereas the, Mitrovic wanted more come here <laughs> I want a word with you it's a little bit like in theory you could get done for assault for pushing someone the same as you get done for assault for punching someone but those two things are not the same thing yeah uh, but I do think now there is a difficult thing here that Mitrovic obviously is going to get banned people are de- debating how long he should get yeah. banned for whether there should be an extended one I saw and in which case you're going to go Bruno got absolutely nothing so how can we don't how can do, we do Gallagher this? was saying I think the official is the one that should yeah. be getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Which Brendan McDermott will defend the officials no matter what. Is I don't know. Maybe he likes United. Yeah, I yeah. said before that man doesn't use his actual voice. How can you trust anything he says? <laughs> was, yeah. I've never been as shook as him revealing he actually has an Irish accent, and the fact that he carries on talking in this voice that he knows he puts on now, bizarre. So how, I don't know how people listen to him. What what we need is if you're going to give him an extended ban. Four games minimum because they play City in five games, and I at least need you to have him there. I think I, I was thinking, I'm amazed they don't have something set in stone for this anyway. 
if they're going to be serious about the protect officials theme because of their concerns at lower level at grassroots that they're worried that refs are getting attacked increasingly because of the total disdain for referees at top level then I think you're going to have to go literally if you touch him at all five game ban down straight away and that way it's not as extreme as some of the longer bans we've seen for good reason but also it's more extreme than just a standard three game ban and unless you get like pushed into a referee <laughs> then there's um, not fair. but if you intentionally touch a referee automatic five game ban is the quickest way to deal with it surely I think they're going to chuck the book at him and I also think um, and I don't think this should change it I think because of the position Fulham are in that they aren't affecting a relegation battle they're not affecting a top four battle they're not affecting a title charge I think that leaves them in a position where they can go extra strict and neutral fans aren't going to say you've ruined this particular part of the season yeah it's true and so I think there may be like something that is even stronger than we would imagine just so they can say we're laying down the marker here and we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. They're probably going to say that this happens far too frequently and this happens and this happens and we'll overlook. I, w- I would feel bullish that they would do that and use the Decanio one previously, I know David Prutton put hands on a ref before, and they both, I think, got 10 or 11, 12 games yeah, banned, something around that. I think they would use that as a precedent and go with that if it wasn't for the fact they were coming off the back of this Bruno one just before and obviously them playing Man United. But they also just... I just wonder at the optics, they might bottle it and go just a standard ban for Mitrovic. If that hadn't happened, I would agree with you. I think they would go all in as an make an example of him. I think they... They might still do, I but think I'm just having that bit of doubt. I think they so much no-sold the Bruno one. Like, the PGMR didn't even comment on it. It just <laughs> it just wasn't part of the report. So it was only... They basically said, look, because there was nothing brought up in the match report and the referee didn't include it, anything he said, they aren't in a position to go back and do anything retrospectively. This one, obviously, has been logged. And it's the worst team you could do it against. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. So you think they'll double down actually yeah. because of it? Yeah, fair enough. I, I think it's just going to be... Um, I don't think they're going to have it in in a conversation. I think you can't ask the question to say, well, what about this one? Because we don't get to those people. And that's why I think it's just going to... Yeah, and I guess my I guess my point is like a PR point of view, but do these people care that much about PR? They, they yeah. seem to not care too much about their reputation. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, uh, the England squad then so that came out I don't know, we don't need to do much on the United what happened after the red card <laughs> we all know how that story ends yeah. we didn't even need to watch the rest of the game I, you could have turned off your TV at that moment of those three red cards and say what happens next yeah, I think know. Brad said like, we're pretty good against nine men aren't we yeah <laughs> Now, we referenced this during the intro, Jack. Chelsea's brief return to winning ways came to a halt on Saturday night. <laughs> Late goal from Sims earned a 2-2 draw for Everton at the bridge. If we go back to midweek, uh, we'll try and beat Everton, take the draw, and then we'll try and win the fucking Champions League. <laughs> what a words of Graham Potter. Now, did the players look half as fired up as Potter sounded to you? Absolutely not. 
I mean, I referenced this earlier to you. That I've said it plenty of times before. This guy doesn't have the capabilities <laughs> to motivate the team when there's nothing to play for. Now, you can put this on the players, for sure. But I'm putting it firmly on that man in the dugout. Because, and you say like, oh, a brief return to winning ways. We beat Leeds, like relegation struggling Leeds 1-0 at home. And a really good game where all the players were obviously fired up against yeah. Dortmund 1-2-0. And then we beat an absolutely hapless 10-man Leicester 3-1 for, yeah. for this little mini win streak. I mean, we'll take what we can get after two wins in 16, but it's just not not good enough. And we saw the way United reacted after beating a team of nine men. The, the way their <laughs> yeah. fans were on Twitter, I thought uh, they've just beaten the Galacticos. <laughs> the, that Potter clip in the week, I keep seeing on TikTok popping up... Um, there's these clips of parents telling their kids, you're allowed to say one swear word you've always wanted to say. And then they build them up and the kid like belts it out. And that was like Potter, they've said to him behind the scenes. Like, then there's that theory that for a 12A, you could sneak like one swear word into the yeah. film. And Potter's like, okay, I can, I can fit this in at some point during the press conference. What was it? Was it some weird like awards thing? Yeah, something like that. And I saw the best way I've, I've seen it described is he's swearing like his mum's in the next week. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you know, when you like try and swear down your Xbox mic or your PlayStation <laughs> mic to your mates. There's a point like after three words, he's like, am I going to say this? I'm going to say this. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing that could have made it better if he'd gone like flushed bright red afterwards. Like, oh, what have I just said? He sits just there. He looks so pleased with himself. Um, <laughs> I've got all these analogies in my head. The point when, um, King Curtis says, I'm not listening to your rules. I and mean, then he just yeah. sits there, like staring at Dan. Potter's there, like so, so thrilled. I thought, though, for everything that we've said in a lot of these conversations, I've tried to find a different twist on them because it's not much has changed. Mm. But people seem surprised that I think Havertz came out in defense of Potter after the Dortmund game. And we're going to speak about Tottenham. Is the big difference not that obviously you, you've had these issues? He's actually not rushed players back in. And there was points where we were struggling in the other season and we'd hear someone was on the edge and Arteta would play like Tierney and then he'd get injured again. It was yeah. like, oh, we well, should have waited. And Potter's been letting these players wait it out, even though he's under pressure. And he just hasn't chucked them under the bus at all. That- he chucked, he's chucked who, uh, Tuchel under the bus or whoever arranged your pre-season. And that's really as much as he's got in terms of blame. This is what I'll give for credit for Potter. As much as I want to, I don't agree with his actual tactics and his personality in general. He does seem to have a duty of care towards the players. You've seen him manage Reese James in particular a lot differently. People, it was noticed that Reese James isn't doing those kind of lung busting runs that he used to do. I genuinely think that's management saying you've got two a game, make them count. Wasn't there a thing? Didn't Tuchel rush him back near the end before he was sacked and he got injured again? It was after or before an international break and we were like, well, why did you bring, why did you bring him back? No. Um, it was before the World Cup, wasn't it? No, it was after the World okay, Cup. So he was yeah. injured during the World Cup and it was Potter that brought him back. Okay. And I think he's it's kind of like once a bird, yeah. twice a shy kind of thing with that. Um, you've seen his management with Chilwell when he came back. He didn't just rush him straight yeah. back. Into, and you can see the difference where... It, having James and Chilwell in the team. So yeah. I think he understands the importance. So I will give him that. Um, he's giving everyone a fair crack, crack of the whip apart from Mason Mount at the moment, which, we'll speak about him in a which second. is crazy. 
Um, so the actual, he's probably doing the best he can do with that squad in regards to <laughs> keeping them happy. Getting them to perform is a whole other question. But that's half it though, because I, I don't like repeat myself each week, but one of the things that um, I was saying when I wanted Arteta out was the players never went that way. They never, and I would always say, the players don't want him out. And that's what I thought was keeping him in the job. <clears throat> that's half of it. If Potter isn't going to have the fans, and it must be a point where you kind of realise this isn't going to be a quick fix. So don't try and appease them. Mm. Appease the people that are in-house and are the ones that Bowley or whoever's going to be listening to. And that goes a long way. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a case to be made for that, for sure. Because we are at a position now with most of the fans. Like when, when you go after the games and like you're in the pubs afterwards and you just get randomly, you know me, social butterfly and all of that. And they're getting talking to someone. And everyone's got the same opinion where... I can't remember the last time we left the bridge smiling. Now, yeah. it just so happens that the three games that I was on holiday for, that I couldn't go to the ones yeah, that we actually saying. won. <laughs> um, and the ones we actually scored a goal in. I don't think I've seen a score a goal since October um, against United. So they're not going to win the fan backs anytime soon. And the only way that he's going to win them back is results. He started to kind of turn a corner a little bit. But when you actually delve into those results, a 1-0... Like, put it this way, if we beat Spurs, uh, if we beat Southampton, who are bottom of the league, and Leeds, yeah. um, and Everton yesterday, yeah. sorry, who are relegation strugglers also, we're six points off the top four. Like, that's something to play for again. That's just inexcusable. For all the stick he gets though as well, so there's, there's this big thing which I, I do find weird anyway of, you don't look angry enough. You're not shouting at players because those same journalists, if he did that, would be saying that he's lost his cool and he's lost his rag and he's feeling the pressure. There's something to it. One of the things I think you said to me after the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary was basically, you or TK maybe, once you'd heard Arteta on there, it was like, okay, I can fully understand why he's still in the job because if you have a conversation with him, mm. he definitely could charm you into thinking, I know everything I'm talking about here. And there's something to Potter that internally he must speak with such assurance because I can't believe you'd have this run of results and then behind the scenes he's speaking like he hasn't got a clue what's going on or he's saying to like people in confidence, you know, this job might be a bit too big for me because someone's going to hear about that and then he may pull the trigger. Yeah. Particularly because the worst thing for him is if it does feel like you've got nothing to play for and then you're exuding all of the wrong things because then Todd will say, well, what am I keeping you for? <laughs> I mean, there are people at work and everyone will know this person at work that knows how to get around management. He knows how to talk a good game, but then actually doing his day job is something completely different. And then they'll always get one more chance when you think they're on the brink of being booted out the door. I, I believe he, he must just be great at that. And I'm not <laughs> naive enough and stupid enough to sit here and say that he doesn't know anything about being a football manager because he has done good things at Brighton. And... Everywhere he's been. Yeah, everywhere he's been, he's done, he's done pretty well. But... I think the, the difference here is that next level. Now, when we've spoken about this plenty of time, we don't need to go back over it, but Chelsea is the next level and he isn't showing us with... He doesn't have the excuses of injuries anymore. He doesn't have the excuses no. of, oh, he hasn't had a window because he's had a better January than most people get summer. So we should be seeing results now. But yeah, the, to, to your point, I will give him his credit for... Yeah, because on the game, like... And we've had several of these conversations before, but Felix scores a nice goal to open the game up. Do you think if Todd could go back, 
would he tear up the deal for Unkunku and maybe focus on retaining Felix? Because me and Tika, I think this went on this last week about probably not going to keep both of them. If you do, then mm. you're going to have the same issue. Well, I think last time we were talking about you're going to end up like a false 27 up front with <laughs> yeah. him, Havertz and Nkunku. <laughs> I do wonder if that clearly wasn't a deal you started the window thinking about. It just became realistic when no one else... It was Arsenal United, wasn't it? And then yeah. neither of us would pay the fee. I do genuinely think that they've done this loan deal to retain him. I, I can't see them yeah. entering into this deal, paying that amount of money without an inkling, even if it isn't an option in the contract, they yeah. are looking to retain him now. That's going to be scary. <laughs> they, they are crazy enough, we've seen, with money to, to do this. And if you if you believe the papers and you look at the rumours, if it is rumoured that Mount, Pulisic, Ziyech all leave in the summer, then... Felix and Cuckoo have it, it's Mudrick. That's going to be your, your forward four that you're going to be kind of like toying with. I think it might be similar in a way to uh, so we got Erdegaard on loan, obviously, similar situation with no option. Um, he was looking to leave or at least get first team football somewhere. And we basically had to play a waiting game, one wait that no one was going to come in and blow us out of the water, which I don't think is going to happen to Chelsea. Yeah, two. There was the other rumours about like James Madison, but we and now it kind of makes sense that Erdegaard was Arteta's guy. And you have to wait out that the manager doesn't want to keep them because they had Zidane, who was uh, still there. And it was, okay, well, Zidane might want to crack it. I mean, he's kind, of his, he's his kind of player. And we had to wait till right at the end of August. So it may be that you get the deal done and then you look at the squad at the end of August and say, okay, do we have enough left to stretch and make this happen? But... It's a weird one. What me and TK did say was that he really had to get started quickly because so much accusations had been made that it was Aleska holding him back. And then, to be fair, he has come in and he does look like a player who's playing with freedom. And I don't know what those shackles must have been like at Atleti because you're not playing free-flowing football and he still looks like a guy who's been released. He stands out. I mean, you saw it from the first game against Fulham. Yeah. Look, I said this on the pod before where when you put a guy that's got any kind of form yeah. into this team, he stands out as if like he's like a year six playing in a year <laughs> three's game. He was just on another another level. He had a bit of a dip, but even in that dip he scored against West Ham. He's having like decent decent enough games. I wouldn't say the dips are down to him. I'd say he's just when we're playing half decent for something him to actually latch yeah. on to. Like you saw his goal was all because of Chilwell playing a quick first-time ball in. He gets a lucky def- deflection and it's a fantastic finish because sometimes a lucky deflection is what you need in a, in games like that where you've got a really regimented, well-organised Everton team that are well-drilled by Sean Dyche. A lucky bounce creates that five yards of space in the box that a pass wouldn't. Yeah. And that's what happens when you play assertive, like, fast-flowing football. And... You may get both. Um, the Nkunku one now, and he may smash the league, looks like one because he was a talent that everyone could see that I think Chelsea basically looked and was like, oh, that's a great deal getting him for that price. More than it's like a great fit for Chelsea. Yeah. Like an example, and I keep using Arsenal, was maybe that's a season ago, I was cursing Arsenal for not signing Basuma for 25 million. And at the time, I'm sure Arsenal looked at that and was like, that's actually a very good deal, but he doesn't fit us. Whereas Chelsea seemed to worry about that part later on. Yeah, like we've got, we've gone and bought two touchline wingers in Mudrick and Madueke, and we've gone back to playing two inverted forwards. So it does smack of, 
you know, they don't do it on FIFA anymore, but when I think it was like FIFA 12, you could just go and search the highest rated players, filter yeah, by yeah. age. And then it would just come up with a massive list and their price next to them. And if you'd done like a financial takeover perk, you'd literally just go, right, yeah, I'll have him, 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 and we'll see what formation we want to play, what works best afterwards. It does seem like what we've done here, because especially when you add Felix into that mix, and we still haven't got recognised number nine, it's like, well, you've got Habits and Felix sat there occupying the spot a regular number nine would take. Who the fuck are you going to bring in? This you're going to leave out for those two, especially when you've gone and dumped a hundred mil on Mudrick, and then a combined seventy mil on the other two wingers, where Felix and Havertz would have to fill those inverted kind of forward roles. Yeah. It just seems wild, just wild. And on the on the game, uh, Kula Bali got battered for the goal. Um, I'll pat myself on the back here again because, you know, I was early on this one. You don't like doing he, that. He is awful. Um, <laughs> He's actually been playing well the last couple I of games. No, no, he, he, has been, he hasn't. He has. Well, you, you, play, play well you, ran, you ran through Is it well or not as bad as he started? Because <laughs> you ran through the opponents. There's a few players on that actually. Are they good or are they just not as bad as they are? Kepa lures me into this quite often. He's like, oh, he's actually brilliant. I'm going to ask you about him in a second as well. Do you think Koulibaly is a member of Chelsea's best back line? No. When everyone's it. No, and that is the issue, really, because yeah. Fafana's injured again. Yeah, he's always injured. Like, <laughs> if only uh, someone could have seen that coming. Like, if, like to pin all of your hopes on a thirty-nine-year-old centre back and just hope that he doesn't get injured in a forty-five game season. Did you see his wife's tweet yeah. after the game? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's like, I know how she meant it, but it just it. Don't, don't I don't do know what it, it is with Portuguese, but a lot can be misconstrued between English and Portuguese. It just seems to happen. To be fair, she, like a season ago, was saying, why do people say Van Dijk's the best centre-back in the league when Thiago Silva's there? She just backs her guy. She's got a point. He's not, Brazilian he's, wives got to bat for their boys. Yeah, well. they do. I mean, Fabinho's wife really tried to go, <laughs> yeah. and then even she has had to stop now. It's like, Is this bad? It's clearly even she's going, you know what, maybe they're right. Um, yeah, he, he's a walking booking, for a start. Yes. He's far too aggressive when you pair that with his clunkiness. is horrible. Yeah. He's terribly slow. And do, you, do you know what he reminds me of? You know those bad boss people in in, in a game at the end of level? The clunking bad boss, they're really slow, but take a lot of hits to kill. <laughs> he remind, he, yeah, it reminds me of that. Just, so if you ever stop filming The Terminator, yeah, he might be worse than like, He would be a great T-1000. He, also, <laughs> he, he doesn't have that aura that he had pre-signing either. People just run at him. Like I was going to make a point here about... Uh, Van Dyke in the Everton game later on and then I clocked that Matip and Joe Gomez were the centre of that partnership Ellis Sims went at Koulibaly he had one little go at Joe Gomez and said I'm not getting much change here <laughs> now if I ask you does Joe Gomez get in Chelsea's best back line I think I know your answer so that should maybe be a worrying thing for you I think he, it was, it he just, just doesn't look good. It was just complacency. Like, he just thought, oh, he's not going to do anything. Oh, wait, he's already passed me. Oh, wait, it's in the net. It's... I, I was asked in the week where I played at Father's Side and there was no easy way to give an answer to that question, basically, where the action isn't. Or if we're playing a rubbish team, I'll get up front and try and nick a goal. Yeah. But essentially, I've got to try and stand you up and hope you don't realise that if you knock this round me, <laughs> I'm toast. <laughs> 
Ellis Sims, that was the first time he was able to get a run at Koulibaly and he took one look at him and said, I know the way I'm doing you. (laughs) No stepovers, no nothing fancy. I am knocking it and I'm running. That that's again one of the most confusing things I saw about that goal. I was like, because I sucked because this never happens. No one ever just knocks and runs in the Premier League with no opposition. It's like something's happened here that I've missed. And then I just looked at it back and thought, oh, hang your head. I think you might also be flattering Ellis Sims to suggest he has numerous options available to (laughs) him. Oh, knock it past someone or run. Everything I'd seen of him, and it was largely a very short time against Liverpool and Sunderland fans saying this guy didn't look like he could start for us yeah yeah when I saw him he looks like he looks big but not powerful big he just looks big like he looks like no idea how to use it it's the lummox yeah and it's it's not a good look it's it's annoying that Kepa's got a hand on it because if if it's going to go in give us like a nice aesthetically pleasing goal I hate when it bobbles under the keeper and then up into the net quite good if it's a keeper you don't like though yeah yeah, that's quite fun um, Mudrick as well now this guy couldn't even get off the bench this week uh, as Trossard got yet another assist um, you you went 1-0 up and you took off Pulisic for Gallagher which we spoke about that Graham Potter earlier yeah. I, I purposely saved that part um, you then go 2-1 up and you took off Kovacic and Felix now this is a player where every single positive clip of him is playing in transition, which you don't really do for a start. And I don't think that's how Potter wants to play. So add that to the mystery of this deal. <laughs> but at least when Everton are stretched and looking for something, surely he makes perfect sense in those final stages. You're Chelsea and football doesn't work like that, but you shouldn't be shutting up shop for the last 10 against Everton. Well, it was on, I think it was like the 75th minute that we started making the defensive subs. And like, look, we've, plenty of people have spoken about Gallagher being his cheat code, right? We're tight against tired legs in the last 10 and run around and just break up play. Have they used the term <clears> cheat code? Yeah. Have they, yeah. they used the well, term cheat code? You can tell well, a lot about player. speaking to you. When, well, well, when the clubs don't negotiate yeah. and Everton put in a bid for Gallagher and Chelsea just went, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've not even opened it. <laughs> so there's that. And it's been something that's worked in the last three wins. So I'm not going to blame him for doing that. What I am going to blame him for is the rest of the substitutions of having a midfield three of Gallagher, Enzo and Loftus-Cheek to end the game. That, that balance or lack of, is insane. You've got a guy that likes to pull strings and not is not that mobile. He had a brilliant game, Enzo. I'm not going to do him down. You've got Loftus-Cheek who likes to carry the ball and you've got Gallagher that's never in position because he's running around chasing down a lost cause, which is great if you've got a set two in midfield that's going to hold down the fort. But when you've got no one holding down the fort for stop and <laughs> like it's just not, it's just awful management. And that's not even mentioning the fact that how negative it was. You're at home yeah. against, re- <laughs> against relegation struggling Everton. Go for the jugular. I'd rather us concede a goal on the break because we've gone for a third to make us comfortable or better yet, get the third to make us comfortable than watch Bellis Sims if it was knock a- it past Koulibaly and bury it. If it was a Goodison, it would have made slightly more sense because look, yeah. I'm going to test, tough place to go. Yeah. But at, ho- at home... yeah. Essentially, if you take the lead against them, you sh- you should they're toast. Well, they- and you saw what how stretched they were against Liverpool. Yeah. As soon as they conceded the second to us, they kind of just started trying to kick people and doing this. 
And admittedly, we were watching the UFC at the same time, but I've gone back and watched the highlights as well as having the game on. It's not like you're under the cosh and it was, right, what we have, we hold. I'm struggling for wins here. It was like, I'm a guy that's struggling for wins and yeah, <clears throat> I don't want to have any any regrets, basically. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, it's football, right? If we see out the game, there's another win for Potter. If we go and score a third, whatever. If But the problem is, is that you make your own luck. And he made his own luck by making these substitutions, giving us a terribly unbalanced midfield. And then what that then leaves us with is a team that's quite hamstrung when it comes to creativity and goal threat. You're then trying to run around with a really unbalanced midfield trying to get and snatch a winner. Then we resorted to long ball, with which is pointless. Um, so not only did... It, you could see the mentality when he made those changes... Everyone just sat back, dropped a couple of yards and... Sends a message to both teams, doesn't it? Sends a message to you and to yeah. them. With a relegation team, you never want to give them that sniff. No. Like, I remember Arsenal would do it with like a team that was like yeah. dross, like Norwich. Yeah. Remember that like Morrison would score for them. You're like, they haven't even been in this game. Yeah. And yeah. Arsenal have kind of just invited it upon themselves. Yeah. Well, that was the whole thing that... I mean, Deeney claims he's an Arsenal fan, but his whole thing was they let us believe that we could yeah, have a chance exactly. of winning the game. Even an example was earlier in the season when we played Southampton, we smashed them for about half an hour. They got one goal back out of nothing and then they could have scored several more because we went, oh shit, I can't believe, we didn't think this could happen. Mm. And then we tucked in. If I was a man that had a habit of running agendas, I would say that Chalabar came on and you conceded 90 seconds later. But I'm not that guy. Chalabar was pretty good for us at the start of the season. Um, we know. and the back end of last season <laughs> I don't think it's on him no, no. it's just it was on, it was on uh, Kula Bali yeah the last I think like when we talk into that mindset thing I mean it's a horrible stat which I had to think about but it does check out I haven't beaten a side inside of this top 10 for 371 days <laughs> so over, a year, over <laughs> we haven't beaten Bloody a, hell. a top 10 team um, for, a year. for a year, over a year. <laughs> in the in the in the post game, I think the first piece of commentary I heard was, um, "Look, you could say that's four games unbeaten now for Chelsea, or you could say that's four wins in twenty for Chelsea." <laughs> yes. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to have on Chelsea. So Mason Mount was the franchise player at Chelsea in most eyes when we started this season, and now it seems certain he's off and likely to Liverpool. How the hell has this happened? Like, honestly, is this of Chelsea's own doing? Is this his own making? Because a lot of the murmurs you hear is that he's asking for 300 grand a week. And there's some scepticism in that because the club usually does that when they're resigned to losing the player. And these come out that a guy's asking for more than you would assume they're asking for. But if we say it's over money, because Chelsea obviously wanted to extend him for a while, that hasn't happened. You've made a rod for your own back here. Sterling's on 325,000 a week. Koulibaly is on 300,000 a week. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> Kant, Kante is on 290 a week and he's getting an extension. Reese James is on 250. The bloke plays three games every two months. Fafana is on 200 grand a week. And Chilwell's on 200 as well. So when you if read I, out those numbers, I do get worried about the future yeah. <laughs> if, if you're all of them have riddled knees yeah. <laughs> if you're Mason Mount look he may think he deserves more I think you can rationalise not being on as much as Sterling attackers get paid more 
he banked on himself and his form going up to justify the money he was asking for. That hasn't happened. I think you look at the Reese James money and you say, I'm, I'm worth at least that. Yeah. And then you look at Koulibaly and either Chelsea have to admit to him, we made a mistake there. Mm. They say the length of contract and then Mason Mount is going to say, well, I'll, I'll take a shorter contract then. And that is it not in Chelsea's interest either. So uh, this is what I'm hearing in rumblings of, is that it's all, it's, it's down to the length of contract or something. It's also never good when you see the family members and agent either, because no. it's just personal at that point. Yeah. That's, I mean, a lot has been made out of him kind of appointing a new agent. Today oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like def- definitely off. The reports are saying that he's employed this because it's just been a standstill with Chelsea and it's either they're going to find a deal or they're not kind of thing and that was, that's kind of best suited to it. I genuinely think he's being pushed out of the club by trolls like online on Twitter. He gets so much hate from, I'm going to put in inverted commas, international fans of like people... Don't get cancelled yet. Well, no. <laughs> but- I even think some of it is just being younger because I, I remember I used to see Arsenal lose one week and then I mean I can't believe you do a bad tweet if that's what you're suggesting no, no I've, I've I've never added the players either so I, I can I can say that as, I can it's say all in direction yeah. this guy yeah which I think, is, I think is better I mean, when Lacazette searches his name not so pretty but Aubameyang Aubameyang now no matter how good that guy was playing we could we had that run under Arteta where we lost to Burnley, we lost to Everton, we lost to everyone. And he doesn't keep himself out of the public eye regardless of what happens. He was in the Barca changing room after the Clasico yesterday, by the yeah, way, as a Chelsea player. Jesus Christ. He'd always be grinning and having the time of his life. Mason Mount, unfortunately, he doesn't choose when things get released. He had a video release for that chicken shop girl <laughs> yes. dancing after you just uh, lost to Southampton. And then she done him dirty there. Yeah, big time. And then yes, uh, well, this weekend he went from the Chelsea game, which you were five thirty kickoff by the way. So he rushed out of there, and he was at the UFC. Yeah, because he was cage side, and people are saying, "I oh, know that's not what I think it is," and it's like, what? Like, what these, these what's people he going to do in his personal time? Like, it's not like. And if you'd won that game, is that then fine? Is yeah, it all right yeah, for him to then do it? It's, it's not weird. like he's like flaunting. If he was catch. wrecked at the UFC, yeah. it might be a different story. He was just sat there watching another sporting <laughs> event in the city of which he lives in. Like, imagine, you can't have a go at him for that. Imagine um, you made a mistake at work and the next day your boss went, I did happen to see your Insta story last <laughs> yeah. night. You're looking a bit too chirpy for my liking. I saw what you did on that spreadsheet. <laughs> But there's like dedicated hate accounts towards him that you see a lot of what you'd call like the local fans love him because it's that's the story we love, right? But what and also inter- you- the international fans don't have that affinity with him because he they haven't grown up here, they're watching the team and they've seen him come through the youth team we have. And we love him for it. We've seen him captain the youth team, win youth FA Cups, youth champions leagues, come through and yet Lampard's first year, win player of the season back to back two years in a row in his first two seasons. We remember those seasons. Yeah. But he was probably got 30 goals and assists last year. We kill for that now. Also, when, when you build a guy up that high, they're the guys you look to first when you're not playing well. And Mount himself could not say he's had a good season. No, he hasn't. This season. And so then when things get framed that it's about money, then you very quickly go, well, who are you to be asking for this much money? You're yeah. playing shit anyway. And very quickly it's like that. And 
we were speaking last week about uh, how strange it was with Firmino, and I know it's slightly different with Mount, to actually say, I'm off at the end of the season. Whereas for the first time now, it really does feel with Mount, like I would be more surprised if it came out tomorrow that he'd signed a new deal. Yeah, same. And then, of course. I I just think it's strange that whenever I see a quibble, a quibble about money, and then the team that are then linked with is Liverpool, I always find that strange because it's like you have a wage structure. You feel he's not going to get more money coming to us, even if you give him an offer that he doesn't want, you'd still probably offer more than... I think his one, though, is probably the most clear demonstration of wanting... Fresh start. Well, potentially that, but also that his ask for money at Chelsea is more about status, I think, rather than... So sort of reaffirm, especially as he's not always started this year, reaffirm, I'm your man. And um, and if you're not willing to give me that wage, that means you don't fully believe in me. Whereas he might take less money at Liverpool, but if they're going, look, you're going to be part of our midfield now going forward with the rebuild. You're going to be one of the main guys. Maybe that is what more in keeping with what he wants than at Chelsea where he's seeing revolving doors with players. Yeah. Going, am I going to be a starter for you now? Because I, I, th- I don't know who's going to be the starting eleven every week. I, th- I think the problem with Mount as well, he's made a rod for his own back really unluckily where he's seen as like a utility player. Where you can slot in the midfield, you can slot in like inside right. But could be cheat code. Yeah, but not. Could be punished for his versatility, couldn't they? Yeah, and and this is the problem where he doesn't actually have a defined position now because everyone's going, oh, they've just signed Mudrick, where's Mount going to play? Or they've just spent X amount in midfield, where's Mount going to play? He hasn't actually got a defined position. If you were to ask a Chelsea fan now, he'd probably say he's a 10. We don't, no one plays with a 10 anymore unless you're Arsenal. And we don't, we don't, that's the thing that we don't play with one. Yeah, I think that. At Liverpool, he would probably come in and slot into a three-man midfield and he would learn to play that role properly. Whereas at Chelsea, I don't think he's going to get the opportunity. Something, if I was a Chelsea fan, that it's almost at the point now where you don't want to defend the guy anyway, is um, I would say that every fan base is under surveillance when uh, their man gets linked with him. And I won't say TK is, is, is quite there, but the reaction to how people speak about Mason Mount pre and post being linked with him is very interesting because I saw very quickly when he was linked with us for about three days and then I saw very quickly how it's changed with Liverpool fans when Mason Mount has been linked with them the biggest if Liverpool had never been linked with Jude Bellingham and then they became linked with Mason Mount then it would be we're going to get this guy in because very quickly Twitter has told me he's the ideal Jurgen Klopp midfielder (laughs) Yeah, people do seem to convince themselves <laughs> of that, don't they? I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not there. Yeah. I'll be honest. Uh, and it's, yeah, I feel like this you deal... You were so wrong about Darwin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, the thing is, yeah, you know what we always say like a deal is that when you come away and both sides feel like they won, I feel like we both feel like we lost. We've ended up with Mason Mount rather than Jude Bellingham. Chelsea have ended up losing one of their prospects from the academy like, who's winning here oh, Mason Mount maybe but the only, the only thing I can think of is a chess game being played where the owners want Jude Bellingham and they're giving Liverpool Mason Mount to stop that from happening and, you know, he is obviously every academy player is zero money on your books isn't it so if you do sell yeah. you've made money so, yeah. and if Bowley is looking at this Chelsea team going I've got to make some money somewhere along the line here yeah. oh, I saw Liverpool easy option isn't it Liverpool fans today showing uh I don't see uh, Jude Bellingham going to see Chris Brown with uh, any Chelsea players or any City players and he's there with Trent. And I'll say this about Jude Bellingham because it's going to have no impact on what happens in the summer. 
I'm sure if he could choose where he was going and there was no fees involved, I don't doubt that he would like to join <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah. That is quite a significant yeah. part of it, though. Yeah. He's coughing up the transfer fee and his as, wages. As is we part saw of it. very closely with Mudrick. If you ask Mudrick, did he want to join Arsenal or Chelsea? There were no Chelsea fans saying, no, no, he's rejected Arsenal to join us. But when one team's going to pay it, and you see the names Real Madrid and Man City going for the same player. I don't think Dortmund are going to go, oh, you want to go to Liverpool? We'll take 23 mil last then. Yeah, Yeah. no worries, dude. Because even even if you want to, even if you agree to pay the same, you're not going to pay it the same. (laughs) Yeah, that's how these things don't work. So. I mean, we the the Liverpool midfield conversation is one that we <laughs> we've done more times than we can count. But yeah, Mason Mount. Were you one of the ones who did say you thought he was a good fit for Liverpool? By the way, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, just I do check think, it. I I don't think he's um, tailor made, but I think no. I think if you were, and I can't believe the words are gonna they leave my mouth. I think if you're going to say he's a number 10, he's far more of a Martin Odegaard than he is um, a Yao Felix. Yeah. I was going to say, he he's one of the few players, he wouldn't be as good, but he could do the Odegaard job for you in that he could sort of play like a 10, but not as a 10, like Odegaard does for when you. When he was linked with us, I was thinking, like, can he can he do the same job that Granit Xhaka does for us? And I, I know he think, could do a bit of that as well. It's, yeah. It goes to Jack's point about his versatility is you yeah. could move well, him, but well, where well, you could even play him as one of the wide, like free in one of ours. It wouldn't be the same because he doesn't well, have that raw we, pace. We asked, we, for us. Yeah, yeah, just doesn't have that raw pace yeah. that I would want for, for our one anyway. We asked Xhaka and Erdegaard to do the same job. They just do it very differently. Xhaka is mm. a, a final run guy and Erdegaard is the guy finding the final run. But Erdegaard has four assists for the season. He's not playing as a number 10, no. which is the, when I see it lined up on Sky Sports, I think you just look at one kind of heat map or touch map or whatever, and it wouldn't quite work because you'd have like Zinchenko behind the striker. But, but everything other than that, you can see we kind of have these level eights and then party way in behind. So football's evolving. Um, Potter clearly has a vision. I would think that if Chelsea are settled with him, then they're going to ask him, do you think you can do without Mason Mount? And then he's going to say, do you think they're even going as far as asking Graham at this point? <laughs> Has he had a say in anything? I, I think what, the point you made, TK, is probably right, where they're looking to make some FFP gains. Um, and he's probably one of the most marketable players that they'd be happy to get rid of with the people that they've brought in. Reese James, for example, like there's absolutely no chance they'd want him to leave, which is why they've paid him the money and signed him to the contract. I just, it's just, it would leave such a weird taste in my mouth to see Mount leave because I've followed his career since he was like 14, 15 in the, in the youth setup watching Chelsea TV and staying up all those times. It's, it's mental. Like, I've never put so much stock of my stock into a player where I've wanted them to succeed. Into a 14 year old. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And then when he finally breaks through to the first team and starts doing well and playing well and winning, trophies and player of the year awards you just think like wow this this is the next Frank Lampard this is mm. the next player that we're going to adore for the next 10 years and if to see that leave would be heartbreaking and if we ask him how he thinks he'll do at Liverpool and he's quite critical take it with a pinch of salt no I, th- I think because like, we know probably, he would genuinely right now the way that with two teams set up he'd fit Liverpool's midfield more than he would ours genuinely yeah. I'm not ruling out you coming back in for Jorginho in the summer, so it's going to be fantastic. Um, But we'll move on.
yeah, the England squad. Some surprises and then some not very surprising. The lack of surprises was upsetting. So Tony gets the call up, which kind of does that spit in the faces of all of us that made the assumption he only wasn't in the World Cup squad because of the betting? Does that mean they're aware that the betting charge isn't going to be as bad as they thought? Is it because Tony is still fighting it? They think it's going to go away? They were insistent that he just wasn't picked for the World Cup yeah. because he wasn't picked. Nothing to do with the betting charges. I mean, this pick in this squad is the way of illustrating that. You go, I, I just didn't pick him. And now I think he's in a good enough form that I did pick him, which doesn't really add up because he's been in good form both times. But I think that is the point of this pick is to go, no, no, I just didn't want to take him to the World Cup. Nothing to do with the betting stuff because it's still hanging over him, I think. And Callum Wilson made it enough of a thing, didn't he? For like the month before the World Cup, Callum Wilson was like, you're taking me in this squad. Yep. And then I think what the last penultimate game before the World Cup he scored but then Tony scored two at the Etihad in the last game before no yeah. that was the game after the selection wasn't it the, yeah because he did yeah. it as a, as a sort of spite wasn't yeah. it yeah, yeah I've worked enough with that and then people were shocked that Callum Wilson maybe it was an injury doubt as our backup striker <laughs> incredible um, Madison they had to include even though he's been injured because you brought an injured guy to <laughs> yeah. the World Cup the issue is just always with the front the defence and the midfield the the front line I think we're pretty sure who it's going I thought you said the front as well the issue is with attack defence midfield goalkeeper other than that so the question was fine. Tony Wilson and then the rest kind of the Grealish Saka Rashford Madison providing his Sterling going in. and like Gareth was very quick to say look Sterling would be here if he was fit don't worry about how poor he's been playing because Everyone else is on form, according to old Gareth, other than the players who aren't in form. Yeah. And then it's, no, but well, look at what they've done for England. <laughs> I can't believe the the talent pool of goalkeepers is that bad that we get past Pickford and Ramsdale and Pope and Fraser Forster gets a call up. <laughs> when I saw that today, that he's ended up in instead of Pope, my eyes must be deceiving me here. I was asking, do you reckon he's pissed off? Who? Forster because the players uh, usually get a break so they'll get a couple of days and then they'll come back to training for the international break so he's pissed off that he's going to be the third choice keeper and in England yeah yeah probably yeah because he's not even going to pick up a cap or whatever so there's there's no point in him being there doesn't even strike me as a type to be a good crack to have around the camp either no and then you, you look at the rest and I mean some of these that have just come to mind now I really do think the Calvin Phillips selection is the most egregious what if he hasn't played? I mean, what? at some level, you do have to have played. Well, Maguire's obviously issue. He's even wrapped up more minutes in Calvin Phillips, hasn't he? Well, what if when we point out James Ward Prowse isn't in the squad? That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, like, but that name's only just—it only just clicked in my head yeah. when I thought of Fraser Forster because Ward Prowse was doing a big. You know, he's my best mate. He's wants to be the new uh, Mount and uh, Rice. <laughs> that, that is a very budget yeah, version. Because he was saying I couldn't look at him before the penalty because I'd have cracked up. And it's like a ninety whatever minute penalty to get a draw when you're battling relegation. Yeah, until I started laughing. We're back on that Spurs so, mentality yeah. thing again. So it's not like his his mates there. No, I. That's what I mean. So he's probably how not. can you how can you have Cam Phillips who doesn't play and then Ward Prowse always plays and plays very well in a shit Southampton team, 
what sort of message does that send out? Someone like Solly March isn't going to be in better form than he is currently. You may as well get him in the squad. Is he English? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, what the hell is he like? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. These games, I don't think anyone's suggesting you gut the squad and you forget, you know, the players that have brought you to the dance. I know there's a sort of skeleton to this squad that you keep in place, but there's at least five or six places in the squad where you go, this has to be a, a fluid rotating sort of system where form comes into it a lot more. And these games are where you try them because we keep going, what, what does, end up on the eve of a tournament going, yeah, well, we know these players can do it for England. Like, we know the other players can't. Well, we don't know whether the other players can because we didn't play them. What does Conor Gallagher do that Joe Willock can't do? And I was asking for him to be in the England squad about three years ago. <laughs> yeah, runs around a lot. A lot. Because he had that when he saved Newcastle from relegation and he still didn't get in the next England squad. <laughs> he scored, yeah. what, eight games in a row? That I mean, that is bizarre because, again, it's not like you've gone, well, Conor Gallagher, bulletproof for England. We haven't seen, we've seen a handful of him play for England. We haven't seen a lot from him. I, I think, if anything, the World Cup showed probably don't need Calvin Phillips as much as you think we need Calvin Phillips. That's the yeah. If we're going to be of the assumption as well that Rice and Bellingham is your start as well, then... And then defensively, Ben Chilwell, fair enough he's in there, hasn't been playing much. Eric Dyer, uh, Eric Dyer will never be Bizarre. able to wrap my head around this. Bizarre. I mean, Mark Gurhey, I mean... You look at Crystal Palace's form and you say... He hasn't been standout, has he? That Tomori's not in again. So where does he think he stands? I think he knows where he stands. I think he's made that clear. Reese James, the bloke who can't play more than two games in a row. Um, Maguire. I'm kind of past caring too much about the Maguire <laughs> one at this point. Mainly, if Eric Dyer wasn't in there, then I'd turn my mind to that. But, but I, see, I don't think he's in like the lowest relegation spot in the squad in his position. The, the centre-half situation is we do not have many good ones. So you do have a situation where... But I would look at some of the ones we haven't given more game time well, to at this point. You've got Luke Shaw yet, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Carl Walker. And then I hadn't considered that Ben White was going to be in consideration until people were debating whether he was going to be included. So maybe Southgate is just being nice and he's not saying we're not picking him because of the issues we had at the World Cup and we still don't know really what they were. To come out and say it's one because he's playing at right back and so we don't believe that he's ahead of those guys in in the pecking order. I tell him blue in the face, I'll say he's had a better season than Reese James for starters and I believe he's had a better season than Kieran Trippier. Now, if you were if you're going to play suffer ball, maybe Ben White isn't your guy to have there. But then you've got the centre back and Southgate saying that he doesn't consider him there because he's playing at right back. Kieran Trippier doesn't play left back, and we've put him there. We yeah. put Carl Walker as a centre back, albeit in a free, but doesn't. Does so that's that's where so. that's where the thing falls out. It's to our benefit that he's not going. So I'm I'm largely moaning that he's not been included so I can't moan that he's been included <laughs> because he's a better centre-back than Mark Gurhey he's a better centre-back than Harry Maguire he, I think he's a better centre-back than John Stones and he's a better centre-back than Carl Walker that partnership it's going to be Stones and Maguire but if he rotates then what Gurhey or Dyer coming in is better than Ben White no. it's just 
insane. Stones and White are clearly, I think, the two best defenders. But as we've said, it's whether yeah. you would want to play those together. But on that basis, Ben White still is in the squad. So it's clearly a, a personality issue. There's clearly been a problem at the tournament. Which is weird because then they were bringing him for every team before. Yeah, yeah. Something's obviously happened. It is odd. But yeah. You, um, you know, we're not going to assess the fact that Trent didn't make the squad, does that not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, to be honest, I was, look, I'd forgotten. Uh, Trent and his family weren't expecting him to be be making any squad anytime soon, so we're not going to go out to defend that. What well, I think we said before. In the form of his life, he wasn't really getting picked, so well, yeah, same <laughs> let alone now. Same as what we'd say about Ben White, if he was in the same shoes, he doesn't need to give him an excuse to not to be in drops. there. No, no. And... Unfortunately, we had, I think, two weeks of saying, you know what? He seems to really be focusing on his defending. Like the issue the whole time was that he just didn't care about defending and he just wasn't bothered about it. (laughs) And then now that he cares about it, we're going to do it. Like a kid who knuckles down at school for two weeks. He's changed, he hasn't changed. He's the same old kid. Like a Tuesday morning, you're like, I wasn't very productive yesterday. And then like 10 o'clock, you're like, I'm bored of this. Uh, I just, I'd say I'm done. I've got no interest. If if there was a film that I wanted to watch at the cinema on the same day as these England games, yeah, I wouldn't not go because that's my main issue. Sometimes with some of the uproar about squads, I, not to point fingers, yeah. you <laughs> tend to get pretty enraged at most squads just because you're sick of the ma- the manager. Yeah. But the the generally it tends to be I'm not as interested in the games and the squads of some fairly indifferent to who gets called up. And a lot of the time, it's normally people pissed that their players aren't getting more recognition. Well, I usually watch I, all of the games. So that's yeah. the thing. So now the, the fact that but I, I do, don't yeah. have the interest. I do think this one, off the back of a World Cup, where well, you probably still have my attention, and it's interesting to see who you're going to select in your next squad after a tournament. I think to have basically to go on with the same again, I'm like, I do need to see something a bit different here, and just some new blood in there. Well, it feels before, like you've not- you know, but before we're on the eve of another tournament, not that far away from if the next one in 2024, year 2024. If so. he could have gone into his press conference and said, I feel the main inefficiency we had against France was we didn't progress the ball well enough. And so I feel Kelvin Phillips gives me that more than James Ward Prowse gives me that. And then yep. I've also got this guy who's uncapped who we feel coming through is someone that can be ready for the next tournament and he can do that. If he said, this system that we're going to do, this is why I want that player, it would make far more sense, but you're not explaining it. And so you're just leaving it up to being your favourites. And we know from The Athletic today, he's gone to complain to the sports minister saying that there's not enough good young talent coming through for him to choose from. Bloody hell. You're not, you're not picking the players that are coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gurhi is just a convenient one now where you can say, look, I'm picking a guy from Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah. Because when, and the Sancho one has aged well for him, but at the time it was, he didn't say any of that. So I'm not attributing that to him. When Sancho wasn't getting in the squad in Dortmund and then when Tomori isn't getting in the squad now, it looks like with all your resources and all the free time you have, you just can't be bothered to watch the games because yeah. we can be clear again. You don't have to be in the stadium to watch those games. You've got a lot of free time on your hands. You can sit down on BT Sports. Someone can get you 
footage of the game and say, I'm going to dedicate my time here to watching Tomori play in Italy. Mm-hmm. And if you were to then come out and say, look, he doesn't do this well enough, he doesn't do that well enough, maybe understand it more, but to just some of the names that we've we reeled off there, as we say, Eric Dyer, Harry Maguire, Conor Gallagher, Calvin Phillips, they're the ones that, even if, and I mean, if, if Henderson's in, then I think Trent should probably be in. Even if Gareth came out and said, I still think Jordan Henderson is one of the five best midfielders, English midfielders in the country, but... I know what he can do. I'm going to try someone else. Or even just, I'm not sure he's going to be that guy by the time the next next tournament tournament, comes around. So he's had his time because managers have done that before. Remember when Sam came in for a short period, he was like, look, Jack Wilshere ain't in my team. (laughs) I'm bringing these guys in. He's going to have to do a lot to show me that he can do something different. Or when we've had managers come in and they basically had to like Beckham, your time, I think, is done. And then, they did go back. Refused to leave that man. They did ask him to come back, which backfired slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can see what I mean. And we've had it with strikers. Capello canned Michael Owen. Yeah. Literally didn't play again. There you go. Didn't play again, so. so that would make more sense, but you're just kind of in this middle zone now. You need something, and I don't know if they think Madison's going to be that guy just because he didn't play at the World Cup. Or Tony. Yeah, Whether they need, think those are going to be like the live wire. You need something. By the time the next tournament comes around, that means you can tell us something's changed. Yes, exactly. And, and if you can tell the squad, there's something fresh. Yeah. Like a, a club team bringing in just someone new in the summer just to sort of rejuvenate it a little bit. Other than, otherwise it's, oh, the last time we all got together, we all lost and had to yeah. get on the plane together. It's, I don't know, it's a weird thing. No, so then... Uh, I guess the, the the last thing for today was we had UFC 286 this weekend. Leon Edwards retained his uh, welterweight strap in London. Uh, if you were there, you got a lot more money than, than any of us, I think, because the cage side was pretty much packed out with just every celebrity in this country. From and, A to Z in terms of uh, yeah. yeah quality of celeb. And if you had the money then you were in the gods and you still paid about 140 quid for that ticket. So <sighs> fair play to you. Pretty good card. When you put it on pay-per-view and it would have been pay-per-view in America, so I guess doesn't make too much difference there, but you're relying on the Brits offsetting that when you have it at this time. That's yeah. what you were banking on. Yeah. Um, well, I guess for the most part, it did. Um, The first... Four, five. The first five fights that even went to decision on this card were a split decision. Some ropey split decisions in there as well, let me yeah. say. And, and amongst that, you had then TKO with punches, which was that lovely body shot from Jake Hadley. Very good. You had all right, the Christian Leroy Duncan one was a... Unfortunate, was a wasn't up, it? But Unfortunate. Cool to see a guy from Gloucester there. Mm, um, Lerone Murphy... Gabriel Santos split decision. Yes, it was. Neck crank from Mikhaev, and you had the peril of him in the knee bar. I don't know if you've seen the picture of his knee today, but it's like the size of your head. Jesus, yeah, I'm not surprised how he survived that. Didn't he also me. said that he had an iron rash guard on as well. So he said his knee was digging in. Oh, jeez. guard there as well, yeah. 
Um, must have been feeling like every ligament in your knee getting pulled up. Like you had um, Ashmore's knocking out Sam Patterson and him still trying to fight the referee 10 minutes later. Bit scary, isn't it? Yeah. Then you have... For my God, especially. Yeah. The split decision with uh, Chris Duncan and Omar Morales. High point of my night, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Shaw, tough first round, then coming back to uh, face the man who loses in the second round, Makuana Mekani. Mm. Marvin Vittori Delizze particularly fun first round and then reasonably fun next two rounds still unsure about the decision but high point of the night for me probably <laughs> I had a decision uh, Jennifer Meyer Casey O'Neill um, Gunnar Nelson Brian Barbarina and I see Gunnar Nelson back kind of came in did his thing against a guy who was supposed to do his thing against very slick wasn't it yeah Gaethje Fiziev then I mean, just a carnage first round, and then Gaethje. I was laughing pre-fight at him saying he just doesn't want to be punched again, and then he came out with a completely clean face. Like <laughs> very odd. And then obviously, Fazeev couldn't have looked more cut up. It might be the most impressive performance of the night, and Leon Edwards looked fantastic. Yeah, maybe of Gaethje's career as well, which is crazy because you consider the highlight yeah. real career he's had. That, a lot more discipline this one. And when we looked at Fazeev, his speed in that first round oh. and, and some of the shows he's catching with, you thought, this feels a matter of time. He threw that one wheel kick and it was like, just get out of there now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the speed difference was so stark between the two of them. It was, it was scary. Um, but Gaethje, Gaethje was a guy who uh, kind of made his name in that, I'm probably not going to get you out there in the first round but I'm going to make you wish you were out there in the first gonna, round. Yeah, gonna, you're going to wilt. He had the leg kicks going early. And then even when he wasn't pushing Fazeev back, he, he seemed incapable of pushing Fazeev back. He wouldn't take a part of the step, would he? But off the back step, he was just jabbing. He, he seemed to... When he established that jab in the last round, it was yeah. just unbelievable. You, you can't miss with this thing. Fazeev posted the picture of his face all blooded and he was like, losing was worth it for this picture alone. <laughs> It was a great picture <laughs> yeah. for us. Maybe if I was him, I might not agree. But yeah, Gaethje. What do you? I mean, what do you even tell Fazeev as well? Because you go like, that's pretty much perfect for what you were supposed to do. Like that is what you were supposed to do in that fight. Gaethje. It must uh, have been fight IQ, is and it, it didn't underrated. look like this. I don't know if he was worried about his gas tank, if he just couldn't work Gaethje out, which would seem a strange one. But then other fighters that. Oh, say Dustin, like Eddie, who are very uh, methodical strikers, so they 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 throw shots the right way. Have said that it's tougher to get a read on Gaethje, and your mind kind of plays tricks on you because you're so prepared to go in there and have this war of wars, and that must be taxing on you. That for Fiziev, that should have been someone that's in front of you that you can establish all of your weapons against, that you can do this. And he seemed that when Gaethje wasn't out of there in the first round, it was, okay, so now I'm supposed to do what Gaethje's doing to me. Mm. And it just didn't work. I don't know if the power wasn't doing enough for him, that he had the jeopardy that he felt he needed to finish it. Because I can't imagine he thought he was ahead in the fight. No. Second round was questionable, but it, it felt like a Gaethje round. Yeah. And I don't know. I think, and I've spoken to fighters before and kind of asked this and you've seen in other interviews, 
when fighters are asked, why don't you go out on your shield? And then they kind of respond with, that's not an easy thing to do no, because no, you're no. essentially telling yourself, you're you're going against every instinct to say, I'm prepared to just be separated from my consciousness, yeah. to throw things the wrong way, knowing that it's not even just like it's boxing either. Throwing things the wrong way that if I overextend, then a knee could shuttle my orbital bone to my jaw in three places. Always, you've been trained to not do this, to yeah. go, right, I'm going to throw things technically correct so that I don't get caught. And just... You, you don't train to throw the kitchen sink at someone, generally. No, and sometimes it is easier to lose than it is to go out there and lose in a worse, in a, in a worse way. There comes to a point where you, in that position... I think if a fighter thinks they can still win it, then you will see them throw the kitchen sink. The issue is that for someone like Fazeev in that third round, does he believe he can stop Gaethje at that point? Mm. And that's when you have to ask yourself, am I prepared to go into harm's way in a fight that I don't think I can actually win in? Mm. And that's how it looked. Gaethje didn't really break a sweat. He, He looked like on one watching it back, there was points in the Tony Ferguson fight where it was like, you could put your foot on the gas and finish this guy. Yeah. But it looks like his whole training camp has been behind, you need to be sensible. You need to be switched on. You need to do this behind the book. You get behind your jab. You don't even throw an overhand right. And that's what it looked like. And I have to imagine the coach afterwards can say to him, I told you so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And let's face it, we said his game plan for Oliveira was as dumb as you, you could have. And, or even, it wasn't the game plan. He threw the game plan at Wyndham yeah, probably and tried clipped. to do his own way. Yeah. And, and I said it before about him and about Michael Chan. Their UFC careers could, I mean, they've already been great, but they could be so different if they had been more disciplined because they've got such an all-round skill set, but they're more interested in being the violent man, the highlight reel. They, they can do this. That's why I said it's one of well, Gaethje's most impressive performances. But then even the more impressive thing with Gaethje is Gaethje still wins fights like that. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's the... The tempting thing for both of them, isn't it? They both have the power and yeah, the but Chandler isn't winning to... fights. Chandler's fighting like that and still not winning. Yeah, 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 it's true. But I guess he would say, well, the Dan Hooker fight is an example. What I can do when things get messy, I can take someone out just like that. As we said at the time, people don't do that to Dan Hooker. No. Um, so I guess he would say, well, I could do that. And he nearly did it against Oliveira. I know nearly is a big yeah. word. So he could he can like sort of dine out on those things no I just um, think in, t- in terms of Gaethje's stock he has the Barboza win and he oh his years he is far better than Chance, Chance sure. win. yeah yeah I just mean yeah. my comparison was what this guy could do with what he has done yeah. is that this uh, I think there's probably more skills there than he's given himself credit for no, if Gaethje- by trying to be the most violent man in the organisation if Gaethje is going to lose he is going to go out on his shield so we know that everything out the book yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. There. Um, because that man's exhausted and he's still doing rolling thunders and like, <laughs> jumping off the cage and him doing a just been punched in the head for 15 minutes and then you get on the cage and do a backflip for a fight you may not even have won. It's- yeah, I hadn't even announced the season or anything. Yeah, incredible. But he looked great. The time off, clearly. I think he needs someone around him and he tried to do this um, after he lost the Eddie Alvarez fight, I think it was, where he did the, look, I'm going to have three more fights basically. And then he didn't get touched and he won. And he, okay, that one didn't count actually. Yeah. We'll do another. <laughs> Him with the time off, If he, I think he needs to be convinced. I think someone at some point has had the conversation with him as they should have and say, is this worth it 
for what you may be like in 10 years time. Sure. Because Luke Thomas consistently says, we don't know what an MMA fighter is really like in 20 years yet. And the few examples we do have, we've just had a guy murder someone in Mexico. We've had all these horrible things happen with the CTE that comes through. Yeah, exactly. And so I think someone had a conversation with Gaethje at some point to say, if you're going to take this damage, you need to make it worth it. And so that's what he's trying to do. He said next, give me... Oliveira again or give me Dustin again before I can fight for the belt. You don't have to tell me he's going to fight Dustin again. <laughs> no. Yeah. Where? So Let us know. It makes sense. I think Gaethje, do you see his reason for wanting this fight? What? Fazeev posted a video of McGregor getting his dick sucked on a boat and captioned it that it was Justin Gaethje. <laughs> who, for all things that you would probably not believe for someone that is that violent he is a devout Christian yeah he said he wouldn't have posted a video like that and so he said the second I saw my name attached to that I wanted to rearrange his face and I'm quite (laughs) he said I'm so grateful his face looked like that at the end of it oh wow oh fair enough yeah and then he then went and went in on Bisping as well did he he said uh, I I was able to hear the commentary for that main event and that man should not be allowed near a microphone. Blimey, went in. He said, I don't even necessarily believe Kamaru won, but I don't believe he lost like Bisping says he lost. Right, okay. Um, I don't know. Bisping was bad. Well, I think... For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, me and Rory were saying, the, the Jay Herbert fight was just horrible. Like, to be fair... You both had a bet on against him. Yeah. Yeah, for you, might. But. Notwithstanding. Yeah, he, he was screaming that it was disgraceful for a point. It, it wasn't a point deduction, actually. <laughs> but, like, he was being. There's a way in which you do it. He's yelling well. cage side for points to be taken off for certain things. And That's not great, is yeah. it? He's being, he's being a clown. But, main event. Someone comes through, like, uh, Rocky Edwards, and it helps that we got the kind of siege mentality that most Americans don't like him. He's had to wait to get his shot for the belt. We had to listen to clowns like Masvidal and we had to listen to Colby and we had to listen to Hamza. I mean, that's just all these guys like Leon Edwards who? And then Bilal's getting pieced up for a round. He gets poked in the eye, cries and says, well, I was going to turn it around in the next four rounds. So this guy shouldn't get a shot before me. (laughs) And then he wins the belt and then it's a fluke. Because he threw that in the last round. And we finally get here. And I wasn't picking Edwards to win. I To go the Gary Neville route. I've seen enough from Kamar Usman. And I've seen enough across two fights with Leon Edwards that I can't confidently pick this guy to win. The difference maker for me was if he was able to fight with the confidence he showed and how that would carry Hmm. And I did not expect him to fight with that level of confidence, particularly early on. I felt surprisingly confident only in that I did think Kamaru had rushed himself back from whatever this injury was. And we know he's got bad knees or whatever. So I thought he kind of jumped in before someone else could get the shot. I think you commented on previously. And I thought that was enough of an equaliser that I thought, Leon, show me what he can do. Certainly in that first round against um, him in the first fight. Not just the laying him out with a head kick that I felt okay I can see how you can do this factor in also that 
you're not at the altitude anymore. In fact, when you're on home turf, the yeah. crowd behind you, I thought there was enough going for him that I felt he could do it. But halfway through the second round, back on for this evaporators, <laughs> I will acknowledge. <laughs> so I thought, okay, we're on for a repeat of the first fight at that point where Leon had a good first round. Kamara established that he can't get him down. And also, looked like he'd hurt him in yeah. that second round. I thought he looked really hurt and I thought Leon was actually looking tired earlier than I would have liked to have seen him look tired. And yeah, yeah, my, my confidence had evaporated pretty quickly at that point. Yeah, his movement was great. And I think the best thing it showed was uh, the level of coaching that you can still get here in England because mm. I don't like them anyway, so it's going to come across as salty. I think you can look at Darren Till in the UFC, you can look at Molly McCann in the UFC, you can look at Paddy Pimblett in the UFC, and they look like people that basically are kind of like how Arsenal or Man City are today where they say, this is what I'm good at and my best should be good enough to beat your best. And then you look at the way Darren Till has been shocked by, he was shocked that Derek Brunson was wrestling him. The guy who's wrestled every single opponent. Um, and you look at the way Paddy Pimblett was prepared for Jared Gordon and so on. And then you look at Leon, where you saw Usman leans this way and he doesn't block so well on the one side. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to set up this high kick like that. And then this time you look at the way the movement was, the way that you now see he was specifically backing himself onto the cage. So if you're going to take me down, you're going to take me down here where I can work off the fence. He was landing at the clinch. And just the little things like that, it was a game plan that really he did to perfection other than I'd have liked him to be a bit busier in the fourth and fifth when I thought you could put a stamp on the rounds when... I thought the fifth he did. Yeah. I thought I thought the last one he did. And um, then, yeah, obviously it turns out the judges, the judges agreed with that. Um it's the, it was masterful how he, other than the one where he literally scrambles across and drags himself onto the cage and reaches for one of the most blatant fouls obviously you'll yeah. ever see. Other than that, like you said, the amount of times Usman would get him against the fence and he just knew how to get it and then exit was just perfect. And yeah, we always say, you've kind of got to accept maybe you're never going to be able to wrestle with these guys. So you've got to figure out how you can deal with it. Someone like Alessandro has obviously mastered yeah. the, the stand-up game. You may never get that level of mastery of, of stand-up fighting, but if you can avoid that that takedown, it's it's unbelievable. Something we spoke about before was underrated about McGregor, was that he was, he could, I know he didn't have a lot of prep for it, but the way he was able to stop it with Chad Mendes for, for large periods of well, time. Well, even Chad Mendes, it was the fact he was getting back up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And made it so, count, obviously, when Mendes is the, even Yeah, you look at, in the, the Mendes under Khabib fight, he, he does get taken down, but there are also plenty of other instances in that fight you could look at and go, well, he could have been taken down far more than, than There he was ended an initial scramble in the Khabib fight where I think Khabib eventually gets him down, but he really had to work for it. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon, I remember him wrestling against Gunnar Nelson, I'm going to say. And, okay, he's very good at that. Hmm. And everything I heard about him was, look, Till is the guy who's going to be the star here because of how big he was in the weight class and then he couldn't keep that anymore. And all you heard about was he was this Muay Thai master and so his striking was going to be on another level. Mm. Turns out everyone knocked out Cowboy Cerrone other than Leon Edwards. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Who um, went five rounds where Cerrone said afterwards he was sick, the guy that never makes excuses other than every fight he loses. <laughs> <laughs> Then Leon was just racking up these wins and these wins and these wins. And he said when Till got knocked out by Masvidal, this should be me and you. I should be proving that I'm the best in the UK. And yeah, yeah. Till was like, why would, why would I fight you? And then that was really everyone's take for the next however long. A lot of, yeah, why would I fight you? And 
So we, we get this win here. His best performance, the best moment is obviously the head kick, but doing that for five rounds, no one could then argue, so I thought. Some still claim Usman won that fight. See, I don't want to say it's just American. I think it's maybe just fighters. Fighters just don't seem to have to score fights. The amount they're saying, you know, there's point deductions, so I thought it could be a draw. That doesn't really work if you've won, like, I didn't think those rounds were particularly hard to score. No, no, no. I thought that was the nature of how impressive his performance was, wasn't yeah. it? Is that you didn't? It wasn't particularly contentious. It's quite difficult for for us to say that. Yeah, you know, I'm about to point the finger here and accuse you of uh, bias based on your nationality, whilst we're backing the English yeah. guy. But it does seem you are right. The Americans don't particularly like him, and so anything can go against him. It does seem quite a, yeah, almost tribal thing, which we tend to have here because we're a smaller country. Americans don't always seem to have, but with this, they really, really have sort of kind of uh, got behind it. They have a real uh, snobbery about Brits, only in that they obviously know how much better their guys are at wrestling. And I think, especially guys with wrestling backgrounds, you talk about fighters scoring fights, they can't really comprehend that the guy with the lesser wrestling background can get the W. They seem confused by that. And Edwards wrestling is better than a lot of Americans. He's one of the best, like, all-round fighters that we've seen in a long time yeah. just generally not not you know he's made, obviously from the UK but in if general he, if his body language was different then I think he would even you'd even score rounds to him more I think sometimes he, he does do things off. that concern you you look yeah. at him are you, are you right? are you are you fully concentrating are you uh, he does then, the, I don't know what the same thing we would say with um, France and Garnier we'd always say he has like the best story if you were going to promote a fighter but the UFC don't Leon Edwards you don't want people to go through these things. When they have, it makes they should be like a dream. Leon Edwards came over here at what thirteen years old or whatever it was. He came over here. Within a year, his dad gets murdered in London mm. by gun violence, I think it was. And they go down to Birmingham and then he says it's around this all his life growing up. He'd mentioned even before that he just wanted to open a restaurant for his mum because of all the great food she makes. He makes enough money to get her mm. this restaurant. He's the champion. He wins it in this Rocky style way. And then it's immediately, I don't know if you've seen the Henry Cejudo clip where he does his watch-alongs. And I know he's boys with Kamaru and the wrestling and all that. He's like, oh, can't really disagree with the result, but easy money for Colby. Colby's the next champion. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's American wrestler. Yeah. Oh, well, he'll obviously deal with him. Usman- and hopefully Edwards can keep sort of dismantling each of them. Because- yeah, Usman is a better wrestler than Colby. Colby does probably put on a better pace, but that would be a slight concern. Usman's striking yeah. is also better than Colby's is, so he, he could get eaten up in the Colby should be a bit too. fresher, but Yeah, he should be probably probably a bit more game when it's not going against him as well, mm. I would imagine. I, w- I wouldn't be surprising if I wouldn't be too surprised if Colby did take the belt off him, but it's not just make out, and the it's not thing, inevitable either. No, the way they of immediately of you know he's gonna have to come over to America now, and he's gonna have to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing for I was that will be good for Leon over here because there's nothing quite like us feeling like our guys getting attacked that yeah. sort of galvanise us a little bit as well. So hopefully that'll help him get more and more support. If you look at how the O2 was filled out, I think that'll be good for him because he probably hasn't had the fanfare behind him that he should have. No. I said someone as accomplished as him with the names on his resume, we should be going absolutely nuts for him in the way that Even it looked in- like we were going to for Darren Till who'd done less at that point. He was he was actually supposed to be on the pod before all of this and... Uh, Ouch. Unfortunately... <laughs> 
fell through. Um, the fact that they they read his name out, they chatted his name out along with uh, Buffer doing it in the intros. The crowd seems more. You still get the woos, but they seem to cheer at the right times now. More educated fan base. It seems to be. It seems to be the more events they do here, the more repeat people. And I guess the price probably does help in that sense as well. But I think it's enough of an event now. Like I saw my jammer beforehand doing. I can't wait to get to the UFC on Saturday, and the a lot of the celebs. I think it may still be like that to an extent, but they've done a better job at that aspect of things as well though because I think UFC London used to be with notes going on how much did sort of a, a wider public know that UFC London was happening not you, so much people like that go into it but Tom Holland or you have a certain amount of star power that just gets a bit of traction from them being there UFC London is the new AJ fight yeah yeah that, that probably is now isn't it yeah and I think it, it all let's face it they all they cashed in off that one that was just a banger of a card and ever since then yeah. because the pr- previously we've said before UFC aren't going to invest in a great car for London because they know they can kid it out with MMA fans who are only going to have one show a year and we don't need to throw our best fighters in there whereas now they try and make a point of at least yeah. a couple of great fights on there because they realise it's bankable I'd still be interested in the pay-per-view numbers and I'd actually know what is good and isn't good for pay-per-view anymore but I wonder how much of the interest did translate to pay- people buying the pay-per-view and people um hmm streaming it but yeah there we go what Santagin against Shooter there this weekend so the UFC's UFC's on a roll for as much of a piece of shit I'm sure Dana is <laughs> he puts on good fights and the nerve I did see the, a bit of a nerve with him going at Usyk Fury as much as I did completely agree with what he was saying you also did just fail to make Ngannou Jones so let's maybe not <laughs> say about heavyweight fights not absolutely being made, but yeah that we got there we got a good event so thank you again for listening to another edition of spitballing pod movie madness is back this friday season five episode one piranha will be out first thing friday so keep an eye out for that and of course we'll be back next week so uh actually another international break so hopefully it's a tasty one (laughs) see you there adios